Stay golden. Hurricane. Welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine, and it is here. It's game week. It's been so long. It's We're so close. I'm getting super excited. We just had a great interview with Wyoming's, uh, you know, like I, I guess, A-beat writer. Um, it was awesome. That interview is going to be great. Go ahead and listen to that later in the episode. But in the, also, we're going to break down our... I mean, we had a two-hour episode last week, and we haven't even talked personnel. We're going to do that this week. It's going to be another long episode, probably, just because there's so much to talk to. There's so much like football news, and I'm super excited to dive into all of it. Yeah, it was really cool. We, you know, last week talked to Jerry Ostrowski, but like you mentioned, Matt didn't get super into personnel groups or anything like that. Who we lost, who we gained, who's the who are the big faces this year, everything. So we're going to talk about that and. Also, like you mentioned, Cody Tucker, uh, he's joining the show later to help preview Wyoming. He's from 7220sports.com. 7220sports, I think, is also radio. So, And he also has a podcast called The Roaring Repeater. So really awesome guy to have on. Man, he was great to talk to. Very fun guy. Uh, great discussion about just what Wyoming's like, how he feels about Craig Ball, their weird opener in Week 0 against Illinois, and how that ma- might not matter as much as, as we think it does right now. So fun one to get to, but... Uh, that'll be the second half of the episode, how we close this thing out as we do the preview. But before we get to it, let's let's finish up the uh, the season preview and just talk personnel. Um, I want to go through the schedule a little bit. I know we already covered most of the schedule. I'm not going to talk in depth about it, but uh, mostly just mention like the, the each home game has a theme. So talk about which ones those are and how we feel about that and the, the, some of the new game day stuff. And um, yeah, I think that that'll mostly be it. So I guess let's start with personnel here. Um, and what better place to start than to be sad about everybody who's gone? Uh, so let's start with that. And the first one there, we got a, a lot of people left, right? We lost a ton of starters, both the transfer portal and the NFL. Um, the biggest transfer portal loss, in my opinion, Jackson Player, probably not a question. He's off to Baylor. Uh, but then a lot of other guys outside of him who are gone, mostly like a lot of guys to either the NFL or now like NFL practice squads, you know, things like that. So we've got Tyler Smith, obviously, first-round draft pick to the Cowboys. Chris Paul, also gone. Seventh-round draft pick to the Commanders. Both of those guys were on the offensive line last year, so a lot of new faces on the line. Josh Johnson, the receiver, he's gone. He's in the NFL, undrafted free agent, picked up by the Lions. Unfortunately, uh, he's been waived. Uh, was waived a couple weeks ago. Don't think he has a landing spot right now, at least not one that I've seen. I thought, wasn't it, um, a like medical uh, – what's the term? I can't remember. It's like yeah. a settlement, medical settlement or something like that. It was something like that. And I, and yeah, I did see medical in there. When I see that, I usually think maybe that's like a way to let them down easy. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm just guessing. I, I didn't look into it or know anything about that. People who know the NFL probably know it better than I do. Uh, but yeah, whatever that was, that it was a medical thing with Josh. Um, so yeah, Josh is there. And then you've got Tyre Stevenson, also another one like NFL, uh, undrafted free agent picked up by the Vikings, but he too was waived a couple weeks ago by Minnesota. So he's gone. Trevon Fuller, uh, cut by the bills, but he, you know, all these guys have had the potential or still have the potential to make it in the NFL. So that's a lot of talent gone from Tulsa's roster. 
And then outside of them, not the NFL guys, but Shamari Brooks, he graduated. He's now actually on the coaching staff. We'll talk about that a little bit longer. Uh, Tiny Martin graduated. Christian Williams graduated after his seventh year. And then Trayvon Reeves uh, also gone. So that's a lot of guys no longer on this roster, all of which saw significant playing time recently, right? Um, So I guess uh, the first question for you, Matt, of those guys, of the people we lost last year, who do you think is the biggest loss? Yeah, so it's tough because, you know, right off the top, you're thinking, like, my gut reaction would be Jackson Player, but I was in the mindset that we were going to lose him to the NFL if, like, after last season. So it's mm-hmm. like, I kind of feel like we were already prepping for it. And so I think the biggest loss just overall is Tyler Smith in my mind, just to lose, especially now with the uh, update on, like, Gerard Wheeler. Um, it's like all of a sudden our offensive line depth has dropped. Like, yeah, you have that totally. Chris Paul, like that's three guys um, that we're now dropping. And so it's, you know, that's going to impact our offense from, you know, the middle out. We're going to lose. It's going to be harder to run. It's going to be harder to protect Davis now. So it's really, I feel like, especially early on, we might see them just kind of like struggle to get a rhythm maybe, or, you know, it's just, they're not going to be as like, I don't know, seamless transition as you know, it kind of you'd hope. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I totally agree. The offensive line, such a question mark, easily the biggest one, I think going into this year, I I'm trying to think of what I, I mean, I have some other question marks we can talk about later, but as a like personnel group in total, it's like everybody, basically that whole new line. It's almost an entire new line. Let me, let me see. Is there anybody who really got a ton of playing time? Like Jaden Muskrat got some last year. Dylan Wade got some, uh, but then we've got two transfers who are likely going to start. We'll talk about them later. Chester Ba. I don't remember him playing much last year. He might've um, an offensive line is again, like, I, like we've talked about a couple times on this podcast. Just, I just don't know as much about it. And it was great to talk to Jerry Ostrowski a little bit and get some insight into that last week, but still, you know, that's my weakest area of understanding. And so I can read all I want on the, on the Tulsa world or however about how the offensive line is progressing and how everybody thinks they're doing and how they're gelling and all of this. But I don't know these guys. I don't know. I haven't seen them play for the most part. It's a huge question mark. And if like, that's what everything else basically is contingent. That's where everything starts, right? If the offensive line is not, you know, doesn't turn out to be as good as we hope they will this year, everything else falls to the wayside, Like That's, that becomes problem. Number one, that has to be solved immediately, right? If Davis Brand has no time, then the receiver can't get open. The running backs can't get any space. It all goes downhill. So it sucks to have that as like the biggest question mark on your team. It sucks to have any big question mark on the team. Like we'd be saying the same thing if quarterback was, was the biggest question mark, but still, man, it is hard to see. Like we lost so much talent last year on that side of the ball so much. And now Davis has to deal with a whole new group of guys in front of him and work with them, make sure he has a good relationship with how they protect. It's going to be a big question. I don't know. That's, that's the biggest one in my head. Yeah. The nice thing, I mean, just look, you look through the roster and you see, you know, a good handful of guys that are, you know, three ten plus. And so that kind of yeah. like, that's nice. Cause it's definitely, we're not, it's not like we're going to be lose based on just all of a sudden we don't have size. Like Tulsa has yep. been, I think in the last couple of years, especially been really good about just making sure that, you know, we have the size to compete with some of these big schools. Um, and I know that's kind of like totally. ESPN's probably call, has called it out in the past. I think what yeah. is it? Um, Simpson is 248 or three, 348. Um, yeah, it better not be 248. Yeah, no, that'd be a, be a very tiny uh, offensive lineman. But got put so, Steven Anderson on the line, baby. 
yeah, I mean, oh, geez, the fact that we just learned that he put on 20 pounds that is now almost 270 and apparently listed as the uh, starting running back, according to... Spoilers, Matt. Spoilers. They, the people haven't heard. All right, I'll, I'll say no, no more. <laughs> no, it's true. They're, they're, quick, Real quick, just to illuminate what... So we were just talking with Cody, the Wyoming guy, and he's got the two deep from our press team, I guess, uh, already, and I have not seen that. I don't, I don't think it was from our press team. I think it was from Wyoming's like uh, oh, you athletic think they department. Just yeah, so maybe, maybe, yeah. So yeah, so they've got a two deep, and you know we know Stephen Harrison. He's been on the team for years. He's a big guy. He usually comes in on like the big downs, you know, third and one, fourth and short, whatever. Um, and <laughs> Cody brings out. He's like, uh, "Is this right, guys? Is you have a guy? You have a running back that's." 269 pounds and we're like i maybe uh, that must be steven anderson but i don't think he was that big and it turns out it was and he is actually listed on tu's athletic website as 269 pounds in the interview i said no it looks like he's you know 245 which you know still a huge guy but uh, i was looking at last year's roster so he may have like like matt said put on 20 pounds in the offseason on, onto that 245 pound frame which Pretty wild. Also, like Matt mentioned, listed as the number one running back in Wyoming's uh, scouting report there. So not sure if we've got some breaking news for you here or if Wyoming needs some help on their uh, scouting report list going into the game because I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but, yeah, it's weird, man. Uh, it, that is pretty wild. But, anyway, I derailed this. Talking about running backs all of a sudden. Hey, running backs are, you know, very related to the offensive line. Like you're saying, it's, it's, it all starts from the middle. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And like, I mean, you're right. We do have big guys like one of the, you, you mentioned Gerard Wheeler. He's got, he put on Twitter a couple weeks ago, medically retiring, had blood clotting in his lungs. Not good. Uh, sounded like he had surgery. That all went well. Extremely happy about that. Um, but he's not going to be on the field this year. And so you, all of a sudden you've got a guy who has been stable. Like he, wasn't it last year that, uh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, he, Gerard Wheeler was not the starting center last year to open the season. The center had some serious problems early on. Gerard came on, filled the gap, and became extremely stable there. And everybody, like, we liked him. Everybody liked him there. Seemed to be doing a really good job. Um, totally blanking on whoever that original guy was. But uh, he came in and, and kind of locked that position down. And it seemed like one of the few stable spots we still had on the offensive line. And then he comes out and he, he can't, he, he's going to be out all year. And so what do we do? We go, we go to the transfer portal, fortunately, uh, before we even, maybe we knew this was a, I'm sure the coaching staff had some inkling that this was a possibility. So they go out and get uh, Will Farniak from Nebraska, your Huskers, baby. And they go get him, and he's a big dude. And he's actually played – he played well for them, has done well. Big guy, seems to be stable there, and a lot of good press coming out of fall camp and spring camp about how he's done. So hopefully Farniak can can help stable things there, but everybody else on that line is a new-ish face as well. So my question, do you are you, do you recall what – is up with did Gadlin is he just not on the team anymore oh good question because he was only he was a redshirt sophomore last year and now like he's not listed on the roster and so I know he like he was one of the guys who didn't play during the COVID year yeah I remember Um, something about him uh so breaking news uh (laughs) me and Matt just did some googling here and found something we did not know and totally missed Xavier Gadlin transferred in the offseason which most of you probably knew, uh, but somehow we totally missed it. Uh, so he's he's now playing for Liberty of all schools. So that's another name that, you know, he was out for a lot of the year last year with an injury. Maybe that was the reason. Maybe he lost the spot or something. Or maybe he just transferred. I don't, I don't know why. Um, but he's he's another guy that 
would be a, at least a staple name on the offensive line who is no longer going to be there. So, man, that's a shocker. I had I totally forgot about him. He started 22 games for for us. Yeah. And that's yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I know we've seen him out there quite a lot. Yeah, so that's a big question. Offensive line, obviously going to be big. Um, we do have a, a pretty solid returning core outside of, like, the lines in general. Like, the skill positions return a lot of guys. Like, we lost Josh Johnson. Obviously, he's a big-time loss for, for receiver. But we kind of backfill him with Keelan Stokes, who missed most of the year last year. And so the receiving core is largely unchanged in terms of, like, you know, I, I'm not – I don't want to say that Josh isn't a big loss. He totally is. He had a great year last year. But you think of Keelan Stokes, he's a fantastic talent. Like, he's a big-time guy. He comes back, and then we still have J.C. Santana, and now we've got the Kentucky transfer in Jake's high school, former player uh, Isaiah Epps coming in. So feeling really good about the receiving core. Davis Brand is back. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. Um, still got the running backs in Goodlow and Deneric Prince. Uh, Goodlow and Deneric Prince. Anthony Watkins and Deneric Prince. Uh, Goodlow on the line. You got the big-time transfer um, – Jaden Simon from Colorado on the line. Uh, and then the corners and safeties are largely the same too. Kandaren Ray's back from a huge – like he he only played in six games last year. And that last year was supposed to be kind of his – he had already had kind of a coming out party, but still a huge. it was supposed to be a huge year for Kandaren Ray. So he's back. Um, one of the guys I'm super high on, LJ Wallace, is, looks like he might be taking up that other, that other safety spot. You got both your punter and kicker back. Like we got a lot of good stuff in terms of the returners. It's just – can we figure it out on the offensive line? I'm I'm very confident about the defensive line. So, offensive line, man, that's the big one. <laughs> yeah, and then we also had some uh, some coaches uh, change hands here. We've got obviously the big one is the is the defensive coordinator, right? Joe Gillespie, he's gone. He's off to TCU, um, joining Sonny Dykes over there. And we internally promote Luke Olson, who's been on the staff for something like 11 years or longer. I don't. It was a long time. Uh, been on the staff for quite a while. Longest and tenured after Montgomery. Or more than Montgomery? I think he's been here longer. Yeah. I yeah. Think I think was... he, he was here with Blankenship. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been here for a long time. He was doing like nickel safeties and linebackers for a while. I think he's kind of bounced all over the place. Started with quality control on defense or something. So plenty of experience coming from him. He knows the system like the back of his hand. Um, so I feel I feel good about, you know, he he'll it'll be a question for sure because he's a new name. He's a new face in terms of running the defense, um, like being in charge, but he's not a new name or face in terms of the program. So how well does that translate his first big time defensive coordinator job? I've got pretty high confidence that he'll be able to keep the ship running, at least in the right direction uh, in the short term, longer term. It depends on like, uh, we talked about this with Wyoming too, with the Wyoming guy, Cody too. Um, relationships with players are everything. If you don't have a good relationship with your guys, they're gone. Like they'll, they'll no problem. Leave at the drop of a hat. Wyoming's dealing with that right now. I think that's been one of the strengths of TU's coaching staff. There's a great relationship with the team. A lot of the, we do not deal with a ton of transfer losses. Like you heard, you'll hear what uh, Cody say that they lost 15 people in the transfer portal last year. And he even, he himself said that a lot of that and the coach apparently has also agreed part of that's his fault. He doesn't have a good relationship with the team. So you got, besides just the X's and O's of football, you've got to be able to have that relationship with the guys and keep them wanting to stay and play at your school, regardless of if you're good, if you're bad, obviously being good is going to help. But if you, if your guys like you, that's going to help you. Yeah. And it's like, you see Notre Dame didn't have an exodus losing Brian Kelly because he didn't have a good relationship with his players. And it's like, they love their <laughs> yeah. new coach. And so, I mean, that's the kind of the advantage we have, I think with a coach like Monty is he has such good relationships with all our players and not only him, but our entire coaching staff. Um, yep. 
for the most part. I mean, there's just so much continuity, so which is nice with Olsen, but then it's like just across the board. Um, you, I feel like, you know, the transfers that we do have are 100% not because of relationships generally, at least, I mean, the big ones. Yeah. Like, player did not leave because, you know, <laughs> he didn't like the coaching staff all of a sudden. It was like he has an opportunity to bump his draft status even more. His his coach left, and so it was a good time for him to kind of, like, find that, and that's, like... And Baylor was his... Like, he grew up in Waco. He's from Waco. That's where he wanted to go play, and they didn't offer him. Like, that was always the story when we got him. Oh, he didn't get the offer from Baylor. He was kind of PO'd about it, but Tulsa offered him. He came here and thrived, and what do you know? But They uh, they circle back and give him the offer, and he takes off, which I don't blame him for. I Like, if I was... If my dream school came and offered me, after I had played for my school for four years and done fantastic things there i would go play for my dream school no problem some people's dream school is tulsa maybe uh you know and so like i don't blame you if you're gonna go play for your thing go do it and that's why a lot of these guys now like isaiah Epps, comes back home he wants to go and play for his home team he grew up in tulsa he went he played at jenks now he's back he's playing for tulsa it's awesome we got a bunch of other guys on the team that are like that too so yeah it's stuff like that i mean like like you mentioned you've got to have the relationships and i don't blame uh jackson player for that and Luke Olson, obviously he knows the X's and O's. He's been here long enough. He's got that in him. He knows the system, but he is also like, he was here under Bill Young. He was here under Joe G. He knows all that stuff. He seems like a pretty easygoing guy. I think he's going to have a good relationship with the players too. So I'm not, you know, it's hard to say you're not worried about it. Cause it's, you, I don't know anything about him. I haven't seen him out there, how, how it's gone, but everything you hear just as a fan and as a spectator seems to be very positive about Luke Olson. So excited about that. The other guys, uh, new coaching staff, uh, faces to know. Um, and you've probably heard of, I, I mentioned last week that, uh, and you've probably heard it on your own. There's a, the, uh, eye of the hurricane podcast is doing a series with all the assistant coaches, the, the ones that have been here before and the ones who are new. And that has been a fantastic introduction to these guys. So just a couple of them in case you aren't sure, uh, about who they are. Steve farmer, big name, new offensive line coach. The next two of these guys both came from Texas tech. So Steve farmer, um, he came after Matt Wells and his staff were fired after honestly a pretty good year last year, or it was like, it was midway through the season last year. I can't, I think it was. Um, so he comes in, uh, he replaces Zach Hansen who left for the USC job with Lincoln Riley. So kind of a weird story there, but Steve Farmer here, uh, we talked a little bit with Jerry Ostrowski last week about Steve and Jerry really likes him, thinks he's a great coach, great fit for the team, great m- mentor for the, for the off- offensive line. So excited about him. Uh, the other guy from Texas Tech is Luke Wells. He's coaching tight ends, came at the same time as Steve Farmer. So those are both first-year guys. Uh, a name that we know well, Craig Suits, is now the linebackers coach. I think he was on staff last year as well, not as linebackers coach, but in a lower capacity. Um, so he's here now, which is super cool. Everybody likes Craig Suits. And then Gary McGraw is the cornerbacks coach. And this is what I, me and Matt were talking about this before. Uh, I cannot remember who the cornerbacks coach was last year. It wasn't Aaron Fletcher because he left uh, the year before, the same year that the whole like took took Allie Green and Caleb Evans with him and everything. But I cannot, for the life of me, remember who it was last season. Oh, I added it to the show. I found it. Um, it was Carlton Buckles. He was, oh, yes. He was the defensive, okay. defensive passing game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. Okay. And where is he now? Oh, that's an interesting question. I didn't look up that. <laughs> TCU. Ah, he also, he left with Joe G. That's right. Okay. There yeah. you go. Yes. Yes. All coming back to me. So yeah, Buckles is gone. Now we've got Gary McGraw, another first year guy, um, as the cornerbacks coach, man, we've been so strong for there for so long. 
hopefully that continues. I'll talk a little bit about the, the corners later. Um, also, but that's the second corner spot is, is where I have a little bit of question mark. So I'll talk about that a little bit later on, but I don't know, man, it's a lot of new faces on the coaching staff, which is, you know, for the most part, this has been a staff that hasn't, you know, every staff has turnover, but Tulsa's coaching staff has not had that much over the span of Montgomery's time. It's been like, you know, two years ago or whatever, we were, you know, voted the quote unquote most stable <laughs> program uh, in the conference um, because we had so little coaching staff turnover and a player turnover. It would have been very stable in terms of the personnel in general. So this is kind of new. Like this is a lot of new faces, a lot of big new faces, like a new DC offensive line coach is a big deal. These are big names. So I don't know, man, it's a lot going into week one. How do you feel about that? Um, nervous, I guess. Um, I'm also tempering all expectations after last year, like the first year that I feel like I got super excited about the, the <laughs> yeah. season. Um, and then yeah. to have that, I, it's a tough test for week one. I think, especially going to Laramie to take on a, a Wyoming team that's are not only already played, um, but yep. that we know is just going to be a, you know, everyone's going to be black and blue at the end of this. They're going to run a lot. Um, <laughs> You gotta expect with you know a smattering of passing here and there, but like I feel like that's a tough game to have a lot of newness, um, and it's like you know we don't have quite as much newness as Wyoming is going is at this point. You know they're still trying to get all their pieces working together. Um, yep, and so I it's still I. I feel like it'll take a couple, like a couple games just for everyone to kind of get familiar. So I'm, I'm like, I don't know if like cautiously nervous, that's kind of like a, uh, just saying the same thing, but you know, like the line is still there. Like we still have that connection from young in our defense. So it's not like we're changing a lot of things drastically. It's just, I feel like a lot of new pieces in play and some, not a hundred percent certain how they're going to all fit together. Yeah. And it's impossible to know, right? Because you listen to, you listen to the assistant coaches talk on the eye of the hurricane podcast. And then you see the Tulsa world, write about them. And you see inside Tulsa sports, write about them. And everything seems great. <laughs> you know, Everybody's like, yeah, the offensive line's gelling. Fantastic. Yeah. We got a little bit more work to do, but we feel good. Every other coach says this, you know, they all say they all, they're all happy with the guys they've got and they feel good about where they're at right now. And that's just how it's always, that's how it always is. Nobody's going to come out and say, Oh guys, no, like get scared. We're screwed this year. Like nobody's going to tell you that. Um, or nobody is even going to believe it. Like, even if they might think that's the case, you never know until you get out there and play. So a lot of questions. Um, but still, man, like it's not like Wyoming is, is a powerhouse, even if they do come out and are, very improved from week one. They're still a team that we should play with and beat, I think, on the road. We're now, you know, the line went from Tulsa favored by three a few days ago when it first opened up uh, to favored by six this morning. Haven't checked again since then, so it might even be more at this point. So the line's going in Tulsa's favor, um, and Vegas knows best, as they say. So we'll see what happens, but I think it'll be a good test for the, for the first week. Going on the road, playing in some weird elevation. We'll see how that impacts it. It'll be a lot of running, a lot of black and blue, like you said. Um, it'll be a good one. I mean, if if there is a, a big question mark, it's not on 
the defense and the linebackers and the run stoppers on this team. I think those are mostly answered. There are some new faces on the D line too. We'll talk about, but for the most part, I feel like it's a, it's a pretty solid matchup for what we're looking at here. Yeah. And you gotta think that, you know, this team is remembering week one last year, like for sure, like they came (laughs) off, came out on their heels. They just looked slow. They looked kind of uninterested and like, they didn't really have a plan going into the game. Um, just from, you know, whatever UC Davis's tight end was able to pretty much do whatever he wanted, um, which is <laughs> yeah. why I was scared when um, they were talking about the tight ends for Wyoming. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that yeah. goes. But uh, like you got to imagine the team is coming out, not with like a chip on their shoulder necessarily, but with the knowledge you like, you can't start your season the same way you did last year. Like that's yeah. just, no, it, it you can't do that. So it's got to, I'm, expecting to see a little bit more urgency early on um, just in terms of like being aggressive coming out of the gate. Yeah. And my, and you say like, you don't think there'll be a chip. I feel like this team always plays with it. That's kind of their MO, you know, it's like blue collar. We're going to grind you. We're tough. We'll, we always play with the chip. And I know what you're saying though. It's like not necessarily, you know, thinking more like it's just in their head. They've got it. They've got it from last year. They don't want to repeat that mistake. They're not going to take it easy this game uh, by any stretch of the word. It helps that it's not an FCS team probably too, because it's like, this is a real D1 FBS opponent. And, you know, regardless of how good FCS teams are now, like we talked about last week with Jerry too, um, seeing FCS is different than seeing FBS. You know, it's a different thing. You just, it had, people haven't caught up to how much closer they are now than they used to be. And so seeing that on the schedule, I think, I don't know if it really gives you more motivation. It, it maybe does. Um, but they're definitely going to remember the loss last year, like you said, and that's going to kick them into gear. I just want, I just had one quick, um, and we kind of talked, but like a week zero game, Wyoming had that last week. So obviously they've gotten rid of some of the rust where Tulsa's coming in with some of that off season rust. But on the flip side, you know, like Tulsa actually has some footage now of Wyoming's yep. team from this year, whereas Wyoming doesn't really have anything. And there's enough newness and like new changes to TU that, you know, we can kind of, you know, like, I think surprise them, catch them off guard kind of early. Um, and I'm kind of hoping yeah. that that's the early game plan. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. The fact that we've seen what they came out with and wanted to do against Illinois and utterly failed to do in terms of the passing <laughs> game, at least, I think that does actually help. Like now we know, you know, and but it's not something you want to take too much into consideration. Like the guy's probably not going to go five for 20 again, right? The quarterback. That's probably not going to happen. He's probably going to have a little bit of a bounce back game. And if he doesn't, it'll be a new quarterback who we've never seen before all of a sudden in the second half. So you got to be ready for anything still. It's too early to take away too much. But like you said, I mean, it's it's definitely better to have some film than none. And we do have that. Uh, we got the rust to deal with, like you said. So it's, it's a back and forth there. But it's, it's I don't know, man. It's interesting to think about. All right, let's do some, uh, some player predictions here before we get into the schedule again. Um, so we're going to do offensive player of the year, favorite underdog and make or break. Uh, same thing for defensive player of the year. We'll have a favorite for that an underdog for that and a make or break player. And then we'll do our breakout players of the year for both offense and defense. Uh, so we'll start with offensive player of the year. How do you want to take this order, Matt? Uh, I kind of want to go first on offense for favorite, my favorite. Do you want to do both do our favorites sure. and then kind of go from there? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, so I've got right now pulled up with me is this like little article that I've been writing and I'm going to reference it here 
as I talk nice. about my favorite for offensive player of the year. Um, and that is, I spent a lot of time pulling some <laughs> numbers and comparing Davis Brin to Dane Evans. Uh, yeah, specific- this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted you to say, Matt. Yeah, specifically looking at, uh, you know, Davis Brin's 2021 campaign to Dane Evans' uh, 2014 campaign because Dane's best season at Tulsa was not his senior year when we went, you know, like 10 and three and won the Miami beach bowl. Now his best season statistically was in 2015 when we went six and seven and lost to, um, uh, Virginia, you know, and Frank Beamer's last game. That season is the best season that a Tulsa quarterback has had, um, you know, in the last, forever years um in a long time and so if you look at dane's 2014 numbers to davis's 2021 numbers they're eerily similar except davis is actually a little bit better and so that really makes me think and i think like similar to what we were talking about with jerry last week is there was there was too much expectation on davis brin from uh you know his half a game against not even half a game against Tulane. Uh, Cause you look at the number, like he had easily the highest expected points added amongst all quarterbacks with the sm- smallest usage. And it's like, that's not, you know, statistically viable. But if you look at 2021, the only two quarterback seasons that are better than him in Tulsa's like recent history is 2015 Dane Evans and 2016 Dane Evans. And so he's like the third <laughs> yeah. best quarterback that we've seen uh, in terms of like how much he's actually adding to our offense in the last couple of years. Um, so what, real quick, when, when you say th- he was, he's been the third best in that time frame. what mm-hmm. is, what are like the main stats you're looking at there? Like so, the main numbers. Yeah. So the biggest one that I'm looking at is just the expected points added uh, per passing play that is because I feel like for a quarterback, that's kind of the biggest. Um, yeah. And it's also one that's kind of, I think system agnostic, which kind of helps, especially in college. Not that, you know, we've changed our system a whole lot under Montgomery, but expected points added is just taking, you know, the down and distance. And then, you know, some really smart people that are smarter than me have created a model. And it's like, based on that, what is, you know, a team expected to get, what does your player actually do to contribute that play? So, you know, you think, you know, if your team starts at the first, first in 10 at the 25 or whatever your expected points is for that drive is like 0.9. And then if you yeah. score a touchdown, you know, the points added is 5.1 versus like 2.1 for a field goal. And so it's how much of that is due to the quarterback. And so it's tr- kind of like trying to look at that. And so, yep, that tracks. Okay. Yeah. You have, um, Davis Brin adding about a little under a third of a point last year. And Dane Evans was at, at about, you know, a fourth of a point uh, per play, which is pretty big in uh, college. Like you look at, you know, who do you think one of the best quarterbacks in uh, like the AAC was two years ago? It was uh, Gabriel, you know, for Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, Dylan Gabriel. I was like, Gabriel Davis. That's not right. <laughs> Dylan <laughs> Gabriel. Bills receiver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, there was like a fantasy draft going on in the background. No, Dylan Gabriel. Also UCF though, man. I know. Was the um, like best quarterback in the AAC, and his expected points added was, you know, like blew people out of the water. Uh, the only quarterback who was better that season 
um, when you remove the requirement for number of plays was Davis Brent um, because he, his tooling nice. was that insane. But yeah, all this to say long winded. And if you're interested at looking a little bit more, I'm planning on pushing this kind of out on Thursday. It's kind of Davis Brent plus some offensive stuff from last year. Um, I think Davis Brennan is positioned to have a like great offensive season and is going to take that next step. And that's why he's my offensive player of the year as the favorite. Yeah. Nice. No, I, I totally agree. He's mine too. I, I was hoping one that you were going to say that and two that I was going to push you to go first because I was, I was thinking you might go into that, those stats and I do not have the numbers to back it up like you do. Um, but I'm the same way. I feel the same. We've talked a little bit in the past about the similarities between Davis Brin's first year real starter numbers and Dane Evans' first year real starter numbers and how similar they were and the jump that Dane took in his second year and how we hope that same jump happens for Davis Brin. Never a guarantee, but definitely a, a possibility. So glad you went into that. I, I'm totally with you. I think it's a real possibility this year. I am very high on him. I was very high on him last year too, and it bit me a little bit, but at the same time, he's got the talent. Like he definitely has the arm talent. He got it done through the air last year. It was the interceptions were the problem. 18 touchdowns to 16 interceptions cannot happen again. Otherwise we're stuck. We're going to be stuck in another six win season. If he throws another 16 picks. So hopefully that resolves itself a little bit and he's made progression there. I'm sure he has. I expect him to be better this year. I'm sure he does too. So I'm, I'm excited. I think he's the guy he's the clear, one of the clear captains on this team. So I'm looking forward to it. He's my guy too. Um, I will do underdog here, a guy who isn't Davis Brent, who might win this thing. And for me, there's a lot of, uh, the offense has a lot of talent at the skill positions. We talked about that already. It could be any number of guys. I'm going with Keelan Stokes, big bounce back year, missed a lot of the season last season with an injury. Really? Like we know how talented he is a uh, younger bro- brother of Keevan Lucas, who was an all-star for us here, uh, several years back. And I think he's a really good guy. He's a smaller guy, really quick, kind of slot style receiver. You can put him on the outside though, too, and he can burn you. I like him a lot. I think he's got a real chance. Um, and he, if nothing else, he can be a quick slot guy. If, if the offensive line doesn't pan out and we're struggling there, Davis can look to, to get a quick one off to Keelan Stokes and hope he breaks off a, a long run, just burned by somebody. So that's my pick for underdog. I think he's got a shot at it and hopefully he's also kind of a safety valve receiver for, uh, for Davis brand if he needs it. Yeah, for me, it's, I feel like the starting running back who I'm going to assume is not Anderson. Um, <laughs> and I, my thought is it's going to be Daenerys Prince. And so, yeah. you know, kind of taking over and obviously like Tulsa is not one to just have a single running back. Like, obviously we're going to see Prince. We're going to see Watkins. We're going to see Anderson. I mean, we'll probably see uh, Jordan Ford as well. Mm-hmm. So but I think Daenerys Prince is the underdog uh, offensive player of the year. Um, contrary to what I think a lot of people think, Tulsa's running like year over year. We actually have been running fewer like uh, rushing plays than we have. We've been passing more. And I think part of that is like we had that quarterback drought for a couple of years <laughs> yeah. after Dane Evans. And That's so what we I was thinking too. running a lot. <laughs> and so now that we're, yeah. we're kind of like, getting a little bit closer to what the true mean is. Although even with Dane Evans, we ran a lot more also partially because we were a much faster team on offense. Like we were, had a lot more plays back um, yeah. when our offense was amazing. So 
that being all that to say, I think Daenerys Prince has a chance to be like, as we kind of find that balance between our passing and our running game. Um, like I've, he did really well last year, I think in the games that he played. Um, and just like, since he's come onto TU's roster, I mean, he's been a solid running back option. And so I think he's For sure. got that ability I think he's going to be hampered by potentially what my make or break is. Um, and so I can move right into that. And I don't like picking a single person here because I feel like I don't know them well enough, but it's the offensive line. Like we talked about. Um, and I know maybe that's kind of cheap, but like the offensive line, I'll just go whoever our starting center is make or break. It all starts middle out. Like we were talking about, that's going to be my, my go-to line. Uh, thanks Jerry. And so, you know, if, our offensive line is struggling at, you know, at the very center, right where, you know, the play starts every time we're not going to have a good running game. We're going to struggle in the passing game. Like we don't want Davis to have to be scrambling all the time and not be able to set up and hit these wide receivers. The nice thing is like, we still have super fast wide receivers. And so, you know, that does give us a little bit of cushion. I think if our line is not, as strong as it was last year, because it's like our receivers should, you know, hopefully be able to get somewhat open, but yep. it's like, if our line is going to struggle, that's going to be, that's going to be a long season. Uh, Davis is going to get beat up. Our running backs are going to have to rely way more on, you know, creating their own lanes, creating their own yards, which is less than ideal. So for me, that's really what our offense comes down to, you know, our starting center. Yeah, I am glad you said Daenerys Prince for underdog. Otherwise, we would have the same three for all three of these because mine is the exact same thing. Whoever's the starting center, which sounds to me like it's going to be Will Farniak based on everything. I've, you know, Tulsa World had an article breaking it down a little bit. Go so inside Tulsa Sports. So Farniak, most likely. Uh, <laughs> say go big red. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, most likely him. And I, I agree, man. Like there's th- that's the thing. And the reason and you you kind of touched on it here, too. Um if if Davis one if the offensive line is not performing well we've got issues all over the place but one of the biggest ones is or one of the maybe underrated ones is if Davis is getting beat up all the time the likelihood that he gets injured is super high uh, or at least much higher than if he was not getting sacked a lot right and if he gets injured we are we are screwed right we have two backup quarterbacks Roman Fuller Braylon Braxton and based on the limited amount I've seen those guys play. I do not have confidence that they can step in and lead us to a bowl game, right? They might win a game or two, but they are not to the caliber of Davis Brent, at least from what I've seen in the spring game and some of the stuff you read about them in, in spring practice and, and fall camp and all of that stuff. So that is scary. Like the fact that we have Davis Brent is great, but the fact that we have nobody under him that I'm really confident about uh, is not great. The guy I'm most confident about is the true freshman Cardo Williams. At least he looked amazing in the spring and same thing. I heard, I heard that he had a great fall, um, but he's a true freshman also extremely skinny. And if they like, I'm sure they want to redshirt him this year. There's no way he's going to come in and be the backup. So it's going to be Braylon Braxton or Roman Fuller. If Davis Brin goes down and that is bad news. If that happens, I think uh, maybe I'll be surprised if that happens. And, and one of those guys comes in and runs the show. Um, and that would be awesome. But from where I'm sitting right now, that does not look like the case. So the offensive line, like we've said it over and over again, lots of question marks there, but it has more than it's more than just like, can Davis get a pass off? It's like, does he get injured because he's get sacked all the time? And then the season goes down the tubes because we've got Braxton or Fuller in there all of a sudden. Um, so I don't know. That scares me a little bit. 
I'm with you. Offensive line is the make or break uh, in general. And if you had to pick somebody from the offensive line, I'd say the center. Um, and like you, I was going to say the same thing about Jerry, like the fan out thing. It starts with the center, watch the center where they go. Um, yeah, good stuff. Go back. If you didn't listen to, he gave a little breakdown of like what to watch for on the offensive line, which I thought he gave a great answer. Um, I'll be watching more offensive line this year, I hope. Okay, uh, defensive player of the year. Let's start with that. I'll, I'll start off here since you started off with offensive, Matt. Um, lots of star te- star power on the on the defensive side of the ball. This one is hard. I am gonna. It was hard, and like I yeah, you could pick you could you could pick a few. I'm gonna go with Kendarin Ray mostly because I'm a bounce back story fan, and he also just like my uh, underdog was Keelan Stokes for offensive player of the year. I'm gonna pick Kendarin as my favorite for defensive player of the year. That dude is a baller. We all know he's a baller. He only played six games last year because of a foot injury against Memphis. So he's coming back. He was named a team captain. Everybody respects him. He's a big, long, rangy guy. He's fast. He can move. He can turn. I love everything about him. Uh, You remember, I know you do, Matt, but listeners might remember uh, Coach Montgomery said a few years ago, this might be the best safety that's ever come through Tulsa. Uh, And he was supposed to have a big-time year last year. And he did play well in the six games he was in, but he was out for half the season. So... I'm looking for him to come back, be the leader of this defense, or at least one of the two or three. We got a lot of leaders on defense, uh, but one of the big leaders on the defensive side of the ball and really kind of shore up what's going on on that side. So Kendarren Ray gets the favorite for me. Yeah, so my favorite, and I think this is just because, well, no, not just because, but Tulsa has had some of our best players have been our linebackers in the past couple of years. I um, mean, you go back to like Zavin and then, you know, even before that, we've always had consistency. And so to me, Justin yep. Wright is the favorite yeah. um, for defensive player of the year. And I think part of that is just because I'm very happy that he didn't leave. Uh, and I'm super <laughs> st- stoked to like have him back. Um, yeah. But I mean, he's also like you see him everywhere. Like there's a he's kind of insane, uh, which is, you know, <laughs> intentional and awesome when he's on, you know, on your side. And so got that psycho tattoo, Got that psycho tattoo. He's going to be, I imagine he's going to be our leading like leader in tackles or, you know, up there. Um, hopefully it's not a corner or safety. Uh, that's always scary to me. Um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, man, this was sure. so hard to yeah. kind of pick to narrow it down. And then like, yeah, for underdog, I didn't so much pick like somebody who I think is necessarily going to be, um, like I, I, was, I thought about Anthony Goodlow and some other guys from the line that are still there and have been there for a while, but I kind of picked like a, a sleeper maybe um, for it is kind of how I went. And I'm yeah. interested in John Michael Terry. John Michael Terry was a, you know, he transferred to TU back in spring of 21, uh, played a little bit last year, got hurt. But I think, you know, just having, we lost linebackers. So that being said, like, I think TU's, depth like best depth in the last couple of years has been linebacker because it's like every time we lose somebody we get another one or two to step up and so yeah. you know i would say if it's not going to be right from the linebacking core i you know could be terry yeah i mean that's a, that's a good pick he was also named a team captain after missing a lot of the season last year which i mean goes to show, that guy has not played much in a tulsa uniform and the fact that he was named a captain like the team votes on that it's not like the coaches do it so the fact that he was named that after missing a lot of the year last year says a lot. That guy, like, he he clearly is putting the work in. I've got extreme confidence in him as well. I think he's a, he's a great call there uh, for the underdog. I did pick Anthony Goodlow, which I feel like was the easy pick for underdog because everybody loves Anthony Goodlow. 
but like, how can you not? He's just a, he's just a big mean, like he's going to do an awesome job for us. He led the team in sacks last year when Jackson player was on the team. And maybe, I mean, the argument there is like, well, he got all the sacks because Jackson player was being double and triple teamed half the time, but still like you got to get to the quarterback. You got to beat your man. He's going to do that. He's going to draw those double teams this year. I guarantee you. So he's, he's the, he's the big, I think guy, you know, not replacement for Jackson player. That guy was amazing and still is like, he'll watch him on Baylor this year. I'm sure. But Goodlow, big name, big frame. He's going to do well this year. I'm excited about him. He's my pick for underdog. Uh, I'll move on to make or break here and my make or break. We talked about linebackers a lot already. My, my make or break is the third linebacker. <laughs> we have very, I, I have very high levels of confidence, obviously in Justin Wright. And also like you said, Matt and John Michael Terry, the third spot, which is probably going to be Grant Sawyer is more up in the air. Not to say anything that Grant Sawyer is not, not good. Like this is tougher to say than the offense, right? Offense, the make or break, I think is very clear. We basically know everything else on the offense. Lots of returners at the skill positions. The offensive line has almost none, <laughs> So that's make or break. On the defensive side, there are very few question marks, honestly. Like, we, yeah, we lost some good talent, but there, like, we have serious depth on the defensive side of the ball and have for years now. So the third linebacker spot gets it for me. Grant Sawyer, I think, will probably do a good job. So I'm out, I'm not... It's not like I'm very extremely worried about it, but that's where I have the biggest question. The other one is, um, actually, before I give you, I'll, I'll let you go uh, before you, before I say the other one in case you say it. So yeah, I will stop I was, it there uh, with, like, are you with about Grant to, Sawyer. Are you about to uh, say? And so for me, it's the number two corner position. Yeah, that was it. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were about to say it. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, please don't. Yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah. like, well, <laughs> no, and I'll, I'll even maybe like pass it. Like, who the heck is it going to be? Like, you got Tyron Davis, and then you got who? Yeah. My, my guess... Tyree Carlisle sounds right. like probably him, but there's also, is, there's no definitive. Like it's, it's him and maybe it's Reggie Ellis. And there's also like a, uh, Kenny Solomon is, is another one out there. But you know, if I had to bet right now, I would bet on Tyree Carlisle cause we did see him last year, but we also saw some Reggie Ellis. So who knows? And I don't know who had a better spring or a fall or anything. Yeah. And that's, that is, I think my big concern on the defense is just like, I feel like we've had, um, just our cornerback depth or our cornerback level has kind of dropped in the last couple of years. Um, like you go back to Allie Green and Caleb Evans, like those guys. Um, that was like an all-time high. It's, I, yeah, it's yeah. hard to stay up there. Of, of course it is. And I mean, part of that is I think you, you know, losing in like Fletcher is we're yeah. seeing that, you know, those repercussions now more than we were when it first happened. Although when it first happened, we lost those two at the time. So who's actually <laughs> yeah. you know, then and now, but right. it's like, it's just a question mark. And I think, you know, it always, it helps us address this issue. The fact that we have, you know, that, um, you know, play five deep, that kind of helps you get where, you know, maybe we're not as strong in our depth, uh, yeah. but we have more. And so, I think that will help mask as it has continued to. Um, but like Wyoming, not too concerned, but teams like yeah. when we play Houston or, yeah. or all like, miss, they're going to yeah, throw it around like strong teams with strong QBs. Like that's going to be where I'm curious. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man, because like Tyon Davis last year, you know, he was, he was, he was pretty good. He did. Okay. Trayvon Fuller was the surprise of the defense kind of last, like nobody knew if he was going to pan out after losing Allie Green and Evans, like you said, and Fuller 
was arguably the better corner of the two when we thought Tyon Davis coming into the year was was the guy because he had more experience and he had played, you know, and had done pretty well in the times he'd come in. Now Fuller's gone. Obviously, he, I think we mentioned earlier, went to the Bills, unfortunately got cut, but maybe we'll still find a place on a team. So he's gone. Uh, Tyon Davis, you expect to take, take another step up, so he should be pretty solid there on one side. But like you said, who's going to be the other one? Carlisle is there. Reggie Ellis is there. Kenny Solomon's there. Those are all names, but we don't know that much about them and how good they actually are. So I agree. That's uh, that's the other question for me. All right. Time for my favorite part of this podcast. Breakout players. I Breakout so, players. We're going to do a, last year, all the years past, we've always only done one breakout player of the year. This year, we're going to do a breakout player on offense and a breakout player on defense. So I'll let you start it off. Man. Have we normally had a favorite and an underdog for breakout player of the year? Because I feel like that is like almost hard. We did at least last year. Um, okay. I don't know about years before that because I was just looking at how we did it last year and made some small changes. Yeah, and I have to remember the rules about um, like you can't pick people that quotes <laughs> have already broken out. So if I say <laughs> something like Davis Brin, you know, that's an unfair pick here because he had a yes. decent year last year. We should probably write though. down some rules, but we do not have any. Yeah, and I mean, I'm talking about Davis Brin reaching the next level, but I will not pick him. Um, good specifically for that um oh okay so i'm kind of like toss you know i could go either way on if this is favorite or underdog kind of thing as far as like my problem is a lot of our offense is known like you were saying we have a lot of yep. skill players coming back and for so sure. for me it's the transfer from kentucky it's isaiah epps uh coming to play for his hometown team like you were saying um and kind of filling in that third wide receiver spot. Um, I think last year we underutilized Ezra Naylor. Um, obviously, Naylor is, well, maybe not obviously, but Naylor is, was 6'4", whereas Epps is only 6'2", but that yeah. still makes him like our tallest wide receiver. So yeah. I was just looking that up too. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> So with that, all that being said is like, I think there's definitely an opportunity, especially, you know, you lose Josh Johnson, you lose Ezra Naylor, like there are passes, there are targets that are going to be there. And so, you know, like you remove Juan Carlos, you remove Keelan Stokes from the breakout category. I think that leaves Epps as kind of the next man up. Yeah, no, I agree. And like, yeah, while you were saying that, I was looking up how tall everybody else was and they're just not, you know, well, we know Keelan Stokes is small. He's six footer or, or shorter. Uh, he's six foot listed on TU's website, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the five foot range. Um, JC is also six foot. He's not a big guy. He's a quick shifty guy. Josh Johnson was only 5'11", which I totally forgot. I thought I, if, if you had asked me before I just looked that up, I would have guessed he was 6'1", 6'2". I know. Um, I was deceptively short. Yeah, seriously. So got some small receivers out there. And like you said, Ezra Naylor, big dude. You know, we had him in the end zone, a red zone threat, uh, and he's gone. So Isaiah Epps comes in 6'2", 190. He's mine too. I've got him. Uh, I had him pick for the same thing for breakout player of the year. And like, like you said, it's just there are not that many new faces except for the offensive line, which I do not feel comfortable talking about because I don't know the position that well. So, like, I'll just read who I think is going to be the starters on the offensive line. We got Dylan Wade at left tackle, Chester Baugh at left guard, Will Farniak at center. Um, Farniak was the Nebraska transfer. Uh, Daryl Simpson, the OU transfer at right guard, and Jaden Muskrat at right tackle. And, you know, got some backups under there that will probably shift around. These guys might even shift around positions since they're all relatively new. So, 
I don't know. Like you could say, oh, Will Farniak, he's got the best chance to be the breakout player of the year on offense. But like, I have no idea. I don't even know how to judge that. Right? <laughs> Does he? As long as you don't do whatever happened at the beginning of the year last year, where we like muffed a bunch of, of snaps over and over again, and that's why was, Gerard was Wheeler came in. Ago, but oh, that's what I was thinking point. of. Yeah, the Michigan State game where we, yeah. Okay, maybe. So Gerard Wheeler's been the starting center for two years then, basically. Okay, Probably. so still. But, like, these guys, I mean, I could pick one and feel good about it because one of them will probably be very good. But I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's anybody's guess who does well there. I feel I feel pretty solid about saying Isaiah Epps is going to have a big year. He's, like, the clear number three receiver. And may, maybe we'll, you know, shoot up that ranking depending on how the season goes. And after him, you've got Malachi Jones, who apparently is getting some good reps, and I'm sure we'll see him more this year. Uh, but the top three are clearly Stokes, Santana, and Epps. So, like Epps is the only one we haven't seen. So it's got to be him. Um, so I feel that that's where I'm at on that. Uh, for underdog, this is where I, you know, the only place to go is to dip into the offensive line. So like, I guess I'll just pick one. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Dylan Wade because I don't know why. He's like, he's a retro sophomore. He's on the O-line. I want the, the only other option than to pick somebody on the offensive line is to say Jordan Ford. And he, you know, he, he's the Juco guy. He's the transfer this year, running back first year. You could put him there. It would make sense, but there's so much talent in the running back room that I don't know, like he might get some serious carries. Like he could, he's, he might be the real pick here, but you've got Daenerys Prince. You've got Anthony Watkins. You've got Steven Anderson. who's put on 25 pounds somehow. And then you've got Jordan Ford, right? Who knows? Like if Jordan becomes the number two or the number three, then he earns that breakout player of the year spot, I think, um, you know, fighting with Isaiah ups. But aside from that, like Dylan Wade is the only guy on the offensive line that I have heard a little bit about that sounds like he's doing really well aside from Farniak, like he, he's the other one. So I know, God, I, I forgot. I've probably just stolen like three of your names, Matt, but, uh, got on a rant there. I don't know. Dylan Wade is, is my, is my pick there just from what I've heard this offseason and him being uh prime to kind of lead that offensive line a little bit. So I'll go with him. So sorry for saying all the names. No, it's okay. Like you mentioned, but you didn't get list him as like your underdog and for me that is like okay so imagine you are first and goal against a team that ends up making the playoffs and you try and get a touchdown like four three (laughs) yards you're stopped you're stopped over and over again and you're pissed you put on 25 more pounds of muscle (laughs) you're coming in you're steven anderson and you're just ready to be the red zone bulldozer of the running back core at the university of tulsa and that's why he is my underdog for breakout offensive play of the year with 10 touchdowns and like 73 yards. Hey man, I like it. And a little sneak peek from the Wyoming guy. Like you never, this could all be coming together. Steaming up for Steven Anderson. I appreciate the momentum uh, add on there. It's good. He could do it. Like he's a good player. The Cincinnati memory is like everybody's biggest memory of him now, which sucks because that was just a and grind. Like, how many of those Cincinnati guys got drafted? I mean, Cincinnati's yeah, I defense was over I mean, half of their there, defense. There's a reason the they NFL. made the playoff. Like they were yeah. one of the best. They were easily the top defense in the conference. Um, yeah. We were a close second. Uh, well, not relatively, we? relatively yeah, close. Um, no, not even. We were second. <laughs> um, okay. But like. That was not going to be easy. I'm surprised they didn't just bring Braxton in for all of those personally. Yeah. Okay. So I am first on defense for breakout player of the year, right? For favorite. Yes. Um, oh boy, that's hard. Um, all right. You know what I'll do? I'll just like double down on my make or break and say 
that it's going to be Reggie Ellis at the second cornerback position. Ooh, more so Ellis over Tyree, huh? Well, uh, I think whoever wins the starting CB2 position, whether that be Ellis, uh, which I, okay, I'll say like, I'll put my hat right there right now, but if it ends up being Carlisle, um, I'm going to count that as a win for me as well. If he ends up being really good. That counts. I'll give it to you. Um, mine for favorite on defense. I've been waiting to say this guy for two years, LJ Wallace, baby. Then he's probably going to be one of the new starting safeties. We still, obviously we've got Ken Darren, Ray. He's back. Bryson power is probably playing the nickel. Who's going to be that third safety spot. It's going to be LJ Wallace. It's gotta be the guy one. I, so he's gotten a lot of time in the spring game the last two years. And also he saw some actual playing time last season, like on the field and real games. He got his first pick against Old Dominion in the in the in the in the bowl game, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and the guy, you see him on the field. He's bigger than everybody else. He's big. He's probably not quite as fast and not quite as rangy as uh, Ken Darren Ray, but he's a big dude. He's 6'2", 210, big, powerful guy. Outsize, obviously, outsizes guys on the field in terms of strength. Um, like I mentioned, got that first pick against Old Dominion last season. Finally getting some time on the field. I think this is the year he takes the big step forward and becomes kind of a household name for Tulsa fans. Really fired up about LJ Wallace. If he gets hurt, I'm going to be really sad. I've been looking forward to watching him play for like years now. He's the guy. It was like when we had a couple new guys the same year. I think LJ Wallace and Ryan Nixon, the corner, both came in at the same time. And they're both transfers. I'm pretty sure they're both from California. LJ Wallace is. I think Ryan Nixon was too. And I was all fired up about both. And then Ryan Nixon transferred, broke my heart. And then LJ Wallace didn't see very, as much playing time as I thought he would. So this is his year. This is LJ Wallace's year. Going to happen. I'm really excited about him. He looks like a great player. Makes a lot of impact. Talks a lot of smack. My favorite kind of guy on defense. So I'm fired up about him. Yeah, for me, underdog. Um, and the big improvement for this is that I, I – I'm going to correctly say his first name, hopefully, um, for the entire year, and that's Jace Oliver. Jace, um, yes. Jace, yeah. I always was saying JC because it's like <laughs> J-A-I-S-E. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Jace Oliver. He started six games last year. He's also – so he's also a safety. Uh, I know. He's pick. the other one. He could he could steal my thunder. He yeah, could steal exactly. my L.J. Wallace is, thunder. Here. This is a uh, – you know, we both can't win in, <laughs> in that. It is a zero-sum game. Yeah. Um, or, you know, they're both incredible, and they're just like – switch every drive and get you know picks uh, yeah. left and right yeah, or so, one moves to nickel and, and takes bryson power spot or something it's possible yeah um so he started six games last year um had 39 tackles had an interception five breakups uh pass breakups um i you know i don't know anything about his personal life um, <laughs> but um played against Cincinnati, played against Houston, played against all the big teams, missed the OSU game. Um, I think he's going to, you know, have a better year this year. I think, I mean, but he's underdog to break out. I don't know. Like it could be, I mean, I feel like you probably know way more about the safety position than I do. So, you know, yeah, no, I mean, I think our safeties have been strong. Um, yeah. He had years. a good season and last so, season. And so if it's not one, you know, very strong possibility that it's the other. Yeah, that's it. I think he's a totally fair call. He had a good year last year, but I don't think he played enough to to have considered like a breakout player. So, yep, no, I'm with you. And if he takes LJ Wallace's job all year, I'm going to be sad because I've been waiting to watch him for like two seasons now. But 
Anyway, uh, mine is Jaden Simon on the defensive line. He is the transfer from Colorado. Uh, he's huge. He is six foot three. He is three hundred and forty-four pounds. Just a beast of a man. Um, mostly picking him just because I've heard a lot of good things from Tulsa World reporting on him and things out of spring practice and fall camp and all that. Uh, he's got a real chance, I think, to be the other kind of hold down the line with Anthony Goodlow there. Um, You've also got, you know, Joseph Anderson. I just want to hit some of the other guys we haven't talked about much since we're getting to the end of player stuff. Uh, but Joseph Anderson on the line made a lot of noise last year too. I think I think Joseph Anderson has a has a chance to have a really good year. Um, but Jaden Simon, I think, is my is my underdog pick there as as maybe a, you know having a big time breakout year. Also, just to throw his name out there because I am very excited for him. I don't know how much he's going to play, but Owen Ostrowski, uh, if he gets some meaning because he's a redshirt last year, if he gets some meaningful time this season. Like that guy looks big. Like there were videos of him from Twitter from the football team, and he's just he's a big, big, strong guy. He could totally get some serious minutes. I mean, we rotate people on the line a lot. You know, you keep them fresh. You want them going, attacking the quarterback. There's a chance that he gets some serious time. That would be really exciting. You know, we just talked to his dad last week. Very fun. Um, it looks yeah. like he's progressing he, well within that system. His dad said he put on like 20 pounds. Yeah last year and 20 pounds again this yeah. year like i feel like yeah. that's the that's the only positive freshman 15 kind of thing i know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you saw like i it was the one, one video in particular had some angle of him where i was like that's that's owen astros like he looked like a different guy i mean i he was already big coming out of high school like a big strong dude obviously but he was huge i was like man what's happening and uh, it, it's just yeah, we go back to, you know, Tulsa strength and conditioning. Like, yeah. this is not a new story. Like, we've all seen just how, especially it seems like on defense, uh, we just, our players blow up. They yeah. just become monsters. Right. Yeah, and Owen started started big. So imagine where he might end up, <laughs> like, by the time he's a junior or senior. It's cool, man. So I, I hope we see a lot of him. I know, like, there's, there's turnover on that D-line. So I think he's got a chance to really actually get some time. He's still really young, retro freshman. But you never know. I mean, I'm hoping to see him out there. And I know he'd be a fan favorite for sure. Cool. All right. So that covers uh, players of the year. Man, I love that stuff. That's always one of my favorite things to talk about every year. It's like predictions on who's going to be, who are going to be the leaders of the team, who's going to break out, especially the breakout players. I love talking about that stuff. Um, Okay. So let's move on. Uh, We're going to talk some schedule. Not going to stick on this very long. We talked a lot of schedule. Like a ton of the episode last week was going through each game, thoughts on it with Jerry, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not going to talk about that, but I do want to just go through something we didn't talk about and then maybe give like a ceiling and a floor for where we think this season might go real quick. Um, so before we do ceiling and floor, just quick thing on like each home game has a theme, right? And those were released a couple weeks ago. We hadn't talked about them yet. So just wanted to run through them real, real quick. Um, first home game is uh, not this week, but next week, uh, home opener versus Northern Illinois. That is fan appreciation day. Um, let me back up a half step and there are serious improvements to just like the game day environment this year. Put it on Twitter today. It came out in the Tulsa athletics email a couple weeks ago. There are like serious differences and there's more coming apparently according to Brad Carson. So the biggest ones are, there's going to be a rock climbing wall. I don't know if that's going to be on the commons. I assume most of the stuff will be like commons, Chapman commons, the main, the main area there by the field. Um, so rock climbing wall, free snow cones and like other free random food and drinks just around there, a giant TV truck to watch other football games going on. That has got me like written all over it. Like all you got to do is put a big TV out on a lawn and let me come sit and like have a drink and watch some games before the game. Sounds great. I would totally do it. Um, but then like it keeps getting better. So they got the TV truck. There's always been the TU alumni tent. That was 
there in the past, but kind of exclusionary and also sort of smallish and everything costed a lot of money in there. Now it is way bigger, apparently open to everybody and all the food and drinks in there are free. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so you just walk in there and get whatever the hell you want. Uh, it is called the TU alumni tent still. So I assume you still have to be an alumni, but for all I know, you don't have to be. So if you're not, I would give it a shot. Just see if you can walk in. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that you know, and just based on the meetings that we had, um, yeah, with that, with the the committee meetings we were on this summer, is that it's just open to the public. Like they're trying to make it as open to all the city as possible. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. And, and like, I think a real possibility. It's called the TU Alumni Tent, but that's probably just because the TU Alumni Association organizes this thing, and so they're gonna call it the TU Alumni Association Tent, right? Take off the association there. You've got TU Alumni Tent. That's probably what it is. Uh, and I hope that's what it is. Hopefully it's open to everyone because that is very cool. But then like the best part of this, we haven't even got to. I can't believe this is a thing now. We've been talking about this possibly for years on this podcast. Tailgating, right? Always kind of a question mark. Don't want to pay a lot of money right out of college. How are you going to do it? I want to go hang out at TU, but also I live right next to campus. So I'm just going to stay home and save money, not pay for a tailgate spot. And just do my thing at home and like, you know, go hang out at Matt's or Matt will come over to my place and we'll, we'll tailgate here and then we'll just walk over to the game when it's time to go to the game. Still fun, but not quite as fun as like being on campus, but don't want to pay the money. So now Chapman Commons, the whole area, anybody can tailgate for free there. You just bring your tent and you can just do whatever the hell you want. I can't believe this ended up actually happening. This is, this needed to happen years ago. I think it's a fantastic idea. We need to make that whole environment look like a game day environment even if you have so like there's there's all you know for especially for this home opener we've got david nail and like the uh brian brad duvall band david nail um popular for the whatever she's got song country singer and just having him there is going to make it pretty awesome right but even if you have a concert going on with a, a a pretty big name like his if nobody is like doing the tailgate thing on the field and they're just like standing in front of the stage that doesn't look like a college football environment right the college football environment is people out on either a parking lot or a big field having fun and like hanging out with people and friends and a bunch of people in the same place, right? That's what this is going to be. A bunch of tents out there. People can bring whatever they want to bring with the tent, set up whenever you want. It costs no money. You just hang out. You get to watch a concert for free and you guys get free food from the tent. Like I can't believe this is all real. So very excited about that stuff. I couldn't believe it when I, when I saw that announcement come out. And of course I am like not in the city anymore, so I won't be able to, I'll be there for some home games for sure, but uh, not as many as I would have been last year. So that's a bummer. You get to do it all, Matt though. So that's nice for you. It is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So back to uh, themes for each game. Each home game has a theme. Uh, Like I mentioned, Northern Illinois is the home opener. That is fan appreciation day. That is the one that has the David Nail uh, playing the pregame concert, whatever she's got, man. Uh, opening for him is the Brad Duval band. I do not know them, so I'm not going to talk about them. Uh, other perks for that game. First 5,000 fans get a free t-shirt. There's also $1 hot dogs, sodas, and popcorn all game during the game. So you get free food before the game, and then you pay $1 for everything else the whole rest of the game. Football games, guys, they are long. They're like four hours long. You can get a lot of popcorn and sodas for $1, uh, all for that. So that is kind of cool. What they don't um, tell you is they're 20 bucks for the restrooms. That's where they get you. <laughs> started charging to go to the bathroom this genius Matt. that's how you that's how you keep the fans there what are people just right. not gonna go to the bathroom yeah who are you gonna do they're gonna leave the game that's what <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, okay, so that is Northern Illinois. Next up is Jacksonville State. Um, as we mentioned with Jerry, I'm just going to reiterate here, this is not Deion Sanders' Jackson State FCS team that gets all the hype. This is still an FCS team, but Jacksonville State. And I'm pretty sure you said they're in Alabama. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, it's Alabama. Sweet, Alabama. Uh, so the theme that day is Tulsa's University Day, which is a confusing name because – we're the University of Tulsa, and a lot of people call us Tulsa University, and now this is Tulsa's University Day. I don't know. It's kind of a weird, kind of a weird name. Um, but the point is, like, we want to be the city's university. So the you get um, the first 2,500 fans get a free Tulsa City flag magnet, which is kind of cool. I like the city flag. It looks cool. I like that we have a nice one that's not a generic one that looks like every other city's flag. So that's kind of fun. Only 2,500, though? Like, they're magnets. Give everybody it's true. One. Uh, the, uh, of the themes, uh, this one's kind of the, the most lackluster, in my opinion. Yeah, which is why I gave everybody a fan or a magnet. But anyway, yeah. So, that, I mean, it's Jacksonville State. Maybe that's maybe that's why. Um, okay, all the other ones, though, much cooler, uh, at least in concept. In execution, we will see. We'll have to see for the games. But in concept, they all sound pretty good after this one. So, uh, AAC home opener uh, is against Cincinnati on October 1st. That theme is Oktoberfest which is awesome. Like real Tulsa Oktoberfest isn't until the weekend of the 21st. So like three weeks later. Um, but, uh, you know, T doesn't like to interfere, uh, with Tulsa Oktoberfest. So they're having their own Oktoberfest for this game on October 1st. And they say that it will have pregame, uh, carnival and quote, other entertaining Oktoberfest activities. I don't know if that means drinking extremely heavily, like Tulsa <laughs> Oktoberfest does or, or what that means. Uh, maybe some nice, like, uh, what is the dancing called? I always forgot. There's a name a for it. dance. Right? Yeah, there's. Well, that's one of the. There's like an. I don't. I don't remember. Anyway, all kinds of stuff you can do. Oktoberfest is very fun. They'll translate some of that I, stuff. I want to see dachshund races. I want to see. I'm. I'm hoping dollar beer. Like we got dollar oh, yeah. hot dogs. We got that. I want a dollar like liter of beer. That Just would be kidding. Cool. That's way too much. Not a liter. That yeah, would be but like yeah, dollar beer. That, that would be a. Uh, uh, pardon my French. A <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, especially against Cincinnati. People are already upset about Cincinnati. Giving them $1 liters of beer, maybe not a great idea. Would be probably fun, though. So, I don't know. I think that'll be a cool one. Oktoberfest for a theme. Don't think we've done that before as one of our themes for game day, so that should be cool. I, I honestly feel like I don't know a lot of themes in the past. Like, I'm sure there are other than, like, military, like... Yeah, game around Veterans Day or whenever we play Navy kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, and then like senior night kind of thing are the only themes that I feel like I remember. Yeah, I mean, I know we've had them in previous years, but like, yeah, they haven't been very memorable to me either. But I know they were there like they, they always send out. Not always. It might be in the last few years we actually started doing this every game. But the last couple of years, at least um, we've had them at, at, for the home games. But like you, I don't know what they were. Uh, so the next one, we've got like three weeks off in a row. We we're on the road at Navy. Then we've got a bye week and then we're on the road at temple. So a full month basically until we have the next home game and that is homecoming. So come back to a big one that is against SMU. I love that homecoming is against SMU. Talked about it already last week. That is going to be very fun. Love playing SMU, hate the school, like a lot of good stuff there. Glad it's homecoming. The theme is I heart TU, which is, I guess, supposed to be in the theme of like the I heart New York thing. Um, the shirt, I, I, I think I saw a design where it's like the heart for I heart New York or I heart TU is the hurricane flag, which kind of looks cool, I guess. Um, anyway, homecoming is always fun. It's always one of the best days of the year. I don't care what the theme is for homecoming. Uh, I'm just glad it's a fun team that everybody's going to want to go watch. SMU is always a good game. It's been a, I think I saw 
it's been a single digit game the last like nine matchups or something like it's like crazy something like that um and many of those games especially recently have been overtime or double overtime or triple overtime games so excited for smu always a fun game for sure glad that that's the homecoming game uh, rounding things out here, we've got Military Appreciation Day next up, the next week, uh, when we play Tulane at home on November 5th. Uh, that's the one we, we always have that one, like Matt said, um, always one that's fun. Look forward to that one for sure. And then last home game of the year is home versus South Florida. And as we always do for the last game of the year, it is Senior Night and also Legends Night and also apparently Retro Night. So I got to think, we did we did the red jerseys on homecoming last year. But got to think that it's going to happen. Didn't we? Wasn't Red Jersey's homecoming last year? Or was that also senior night? It was homecoming. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, but I got to think with retro night, this is when the Red Jersey is going to be broken out. Last home game of the year, senior night, Red Jersey's, South Florida, definitely happening. Mark it down. And that is the themes. So any of those, I guess, Matt, that you want to talk about a little bit or that you're particularly excited for? Uh, I think the only one other comments I had is um, I was just going to emphasize that the Tulsa's university, as far as like the naming, it's like, I never like when people call us Tulsa university, yeah. uh, the Tulsa university, lady golden hurricanes or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't for know. Sure. It's, it's fine. I mean, it's an internal thing as opposed to like, it's not like it's yeah. going to confuse ESPN or anything like that. You know, yep. knock, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think all the themes are cool. Um, Oktoberfest is probably one. I am, that's probably my the game home game I'm looking forward to the most. To be honest, I mean SMU homecoming yeah. is going to be cool, but like I don't know if I've actually seen us play Cincinnati in the last like five years in Tulsa. Um, yeah, no, man, I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, when has I don't even remember. I don't think I was at whenever they came to Tulsa last. Yeah, and so that's one where I think I'm just like I'm excited for it. October is, I feel like the weather has finally started to cool off a little bit. Totally. Like it is just, that is prime football first conference game. Like that just, I don't know. That just seems like a, all the, all the stars are aligning for that game. Yeah. And the theme, like, I think the Oktoberfest theme is going to be awesome. I think that's going to be a really fun, how they execute it. I mean, there's so many things you can do with an Oktoberfest theme. So I think regardless of what they do, it'll be a, a cool atmosphere. I do have one, and this is like, I feel like they've been mysteriously silent about it, is I have seen nothing about nachos uh, and whether or not those <laughs> have been improved. Brad Carson Good specifically point. said to you that the nachos will be improved. and so He did, although like, I will say... Maybe that's a surprise. I, I remember... So I, what I was going to say just now, and now I'm second-guessing myself, was... We talked about it in terms of basketball and the basketball stadium nachos. Those were definitely bad. I'm trying to remember. Nachos were the, the same for football. Were they the same for football? It was definitely. Okay. It was, yeah, because okay. we started having that complaint. In it is suspicious then. Football. Because we'll it was see. also like because there were no pretzels. Too, <laughs> yeah. Because of, quote, supply chain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So keep your eyes peeled, folks. Watch out for the na- Get some nachos for me. I can't go to that first game at home. So. Matt or somebody else, get nachos for me. Let me know what they're like. And if they are just stale chips with a plastic bag of cheese that you're supposed to uh, pour slowly onto them as you get sadder and sadder watching the cheese come out, then let me know and I'll be sad about it with you. But if they're way better, I'd also love to know because that's what I want. I want some good nachos. That's what I'm getting. 
for my first home game, which let me even think, what's the first one I'm going to be able to go to? Got Northern Illinois, can't go to that. Jacksonville State, probably not going to go to that. Then we're on the road. Oktoberfest? It'll probably be the Oktoberfest. Yep, yep, that's probably it. That's probably it. Awesome. Okay, so I'll see you there. Okay, uh, just some quick notes on the schedule. Seven bowl teams from 2021. Three preseason top 25 teams in number 21, Ole Miss. Number 23, Cincinnati. And number 24, Houston. Um, And that's mostly it. Uh, I guess I'll – again, the home games are Northern Illinois, Jacksonville State, Cincinnati, SMU, Tulane, and South Florida. The road games are Wyoming, Ole Miss, Navy, Temple, Memphis, and Houston. Uh, Okay, so I guess before we – wrap up i think this is mostly the last real thing um want to get your thoughts matt on like ceiling and floor for this team with this schedule uh went through it a little bit just now um tough you know i don't know it's uh, i guess i'll shut up and let you and let you give your your ceiling and floor here unless you want me to go first yeah um so i'm just like looking at this again and again and i'm like okay of our road games there's only two there's one that i feel very confident about and there's like two other ones and i'm like maybe and so like yeah. temple yeah that's the only one i'm confident about on the road <laughs> wyoming and maybe honestly. i could both see going either way um so with that i mean honestly wait you said navy navy and who oh wyoming, wyoming. Yeah, yeah. yeah those are ones where i'm like uh well i'll throw memphis in there too um as like another uh possible i wish we had memphis at home but it, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And so of that, I'm like confident on one. I'm a maybe on three of the other ones, the Houston, the Ole Miss. Those are those are tough. Um, yep. And so then you look at, all right, I feel decent about Northern Illinois, Jacksonville State, although Jacksonville State is they just like blew out uh, Stephen F. Austin last week. Um, oh, did they? I, I didn't even I, I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize that they were joining Conference USA uh, next year, but they are joining Conference USA next year. So they this is Jacksonville State is one of those. Okay, yeah, this is their last season uh, in FCS. So. I knew uh, Sam Houston State's with them. Is there another? There might be a third uh, FCS team coming, and then Liberty. Uh, yeah. Um. So as far as that, and then, so to me, our floor is four and eight. Um. I, there is a realistic, like non-zero chance of that. Um, and then as far as our ceiling, like, okay, we win Wyoming, we beat a Memphis and or Navy. And then you throw in, like we beat SMU and Tulane. And all of a sudden you're looking at like a nine and three, potentially, I think Cincinnati, um, Houston, Ole Miss, those are going to be tough games to win. So I would say like our like realistic ceiling or, like not need to pull off a really big upset is nine and three. Yeah. I'm pretty much with you there. Uh, I've got nine and three as the ceiling as well. It's just, you know, even if we beat one of Ole Miss Cincinnati or Houston, we're going to drop something else. We always drop some stupid game, right? And winning all the rest of the games is going to be tough. So we're going to, you know, most likely we'll, if we're going to lose three games, those are kind of the three, right? On the road at Houston is going to be really tough. On the road at Ole Miss is going to be really tough. Home at Cincy, I could see us pulling that one off. I think Cincy's going to fall backwards a little bit this year. But then, you know, it's not like we're going to – we'd have to win every other game to go above that, to go above 9-3. and three. So I feel like that's, that's probably not likely. So I'm with you. I think 9-3 and three is the ceiling. For the floor, 
five and seven, I that's where I'm at. I see where you're coming from from four and eight. My thinking is like, okay, between Wyoming and Northern Illinois, I doubt we're going to lose both, right? 0-2 through both those games, that's tough for me to see. So let's say we're 1-1 one one through those games. We beat Jacksonville State 2-1. and one. We lose to Ole Miss 2-2. Two and two. This is my my floor here. So 2-2 two and two mm-hmm. going into conference play. Then we've got home versus Cincinnati. Let's say we lose that. Cincinnati doesn't drop back as far as I as I think they're going to. So 2-3 and three. at Navy. We always lose to Navy on the road. 2-4. and four. By week at Temple, we win that one. 3-4. and four. Homecoming for SMU. SMU's good. 3-5. and five. Home versus Tulane. Feel like we're going to win that game. Tulane probably going to have a bounce back year, but still we should win that game, especially at home. So four and five now, if I'm uh, if I'm tracking correctly, on the road at Memphis. You know, you've got three more games to win one one of those, and so let's say we lose to Memphis, which honestly I'm not I'm really not high on Memphis this year. I I don't think they're going to be very good. Seth Hennigan's pretty good, but I don't think he's that good. But let's say we lose just for the sake of it. Four and six, home versus South Florida, we're winning that game. So that puts us at five and six, and then we we're probably you know especially in the the floor scenario here, we're losing to Houston on the road to end the year. So that's five and seven. So that's how I get there. Yeah, and so I think my only difference is I can see us losing one of Tulane or um, potentially like a Wyoming slash Northern Illinois. So, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I said, I couldn't see I couldn't see us starting zero two, losing both at Wyoming and home versus Northern Illinois. But like you know, we could lose on the road to Wyoming, and then Northern Illinois won the MAC last year, despite the MAC. You know, they sucked, but they still were a conference champ. So it's a possible. I just don't think it's very likely. So I'm putting yeah. that as you know, I'm and I, I think Tulane is the biggest wild card for me because I agree. they were like the best two. Do they have two wins? They were the best two win team in the country. Or they, they, and and the year before that, the year before that was the first time they had gone to two bowl games in a row in like ever. Or I think it was literally ever in the program's history. And then they fo- totally fell off despite keeping a lot of that team. Yeah. So they, they could really be good. The other big wild card I think is South Florida, who a lot of people think is going to take a big jump. This is Jeff Scott's third year. It's go time for him. They got Jerry Bohannon from Baylor. Like that's going to be a solid team too. So I I kind of wrote that off as a win for sure uh, at home, the second to last game of the year at the senior night. But that is not like that's that's up there too. So I see your four and eight. I'll stick to my five yeah. and seven as the floor. But they almost, they I, I almost hear beat you. us last year. I know. Yeah, with a way worse team. So yeah, it's uh no. I I definitely see where you're coming from. Four and eight. I guess I guess a possibility, but. I feel like five, there's too much talent on this team. I, I'm sticking with five and seven. Yeah, and I think I'm just trying to temper myself from last year. Um, <laughs> I refuse to let myself get too excited. Um, yeah, that is fair. That being said, somebody's got to do it between the two of us. There's a non-zero chance that we go undefeated. It is literally non-zero. There is a possibility. I'm like, yeah. The, I think honestly, what do you think the toughest game is? At Houston. Okay, I was going to say the same thing. I thought maybe you would say at all Miss. And I, I I, do think Houston's going to be a tougher game than that. No, and for me, like, just look – you look at teams that we've played in non-conference, like the big teams we've played in non-conference the last couple of years, and it's like Oklahoma State, we almost beat, and they ended up almost winning the Big 12. Yeah, and then almost we, made the playoff. Yeah, almost, and then we play teams like Ohio State, and it's like I, Ole Miss to me is like a, is a step down from some that we've played in the past. And also, like, having them in non-conference week before conference play starts for, for them, it's like that there's a good opportunity. Memphis kind of showed us, you know, the template uh, on what needs to get done. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like, and I, I think what Jerry was saying last week kind of struck me as 
Like that's not going to be that hostile of a crowd because SEC like Ole Miss fans don't care about you know a non-conference game about TU. Yep. You know this is not Mississippi State where they are. It is the Egg Bowl right. and they're mad and just you know a vicious crowd. There's sure. just going to be a day game in you know late September. So um, Houston, I think, is just really good, and we always just kind of play below our potential other than that one time um in like 2018 um yeah so yeah i think houston is by far and away the hardest game on the schedule yeah i i'm with you i do think that's going to be the toughest one i'm looking at the other one you got houston memphis i'm not worried about temple sucks navy is always tough but it's not gonna be harder than houston and then wyoming so definitely the hardest road game is houston um and we talked about all miss all right yeah it's between all miss and houston and then home games SMU is going to be tough. They're going to be slinging the ball around, but we always play them well. Like we always come ready for SMU. Cincinnati taking a step back. Tulane and USF too much of a wild card. They're not going to be better than Houston. Jacksonville State is FCS, and Northern Illinois is a bad, you know, from a bad conference, and hopefully not that good this year. So yeah, I'm with you. It looks like Houston is is the easy, the easy hardest game of the year. Ole Miss, you never like. There's a lot of questions there. They could turn out to be really good, um, but Houston, man, they got a lot of momentum with them right now. So. I, I agree. I think it's Houston. And I think on SMU, like, yeah, Tanner Mordecai is probably the best, um, just like pure quarterback in the conference as far yeah. as like his numbers are eye boggling. Um, yeah. but I, I don't have much confidence in SMU's defense. And I think with Davis Brin kind of stepping up to another level that, you know, yeah, this, we, we just have the better defense. So Agreed. And they've got a first year, you know, Rhett Lashley coming in for the first year. He's got to figure everything out. They've got a lot of new coaches on that staff. So it's, it's, I'm like that game, like you said, you're most excited about Cincinnati. I'm most excited about SMU. Um, just because I think it's going to be a slinger. Like, I think it's going to be, you know, just wild back and forth as it has been a lot recently. It's always fun to play those guys. So looking forward to it. All right. I think that is enough on the schedule and talking through the themes and what we're excited about uh, preseason with all of this stuff. It's time to talk some actual games. So we've got Cody Tucker from 7220 Sports and the Roaring Repeater podcast uh, to help us break down Wyoming. So let's get you over there and start talking about the first game of the year. All right. And we are back and Tulsa kicks off their regular season on the road against the Wyoming Cowboys. So to help us Get a feel for what the Cowboys are like this season. We've got Cody Tucker from 7220 Sports in Wyoming and the Roaring Repeater podcast here with us. Cody, thanks for joining the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Ryan, Matt, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. Really excited to talk to some Cowboys. Don't know much about them this year, so I've got a lot of questions for you. I know Matt does too. Let's get the ugly stuff out of the way uh, at the beginning. <laughs> you you guys had a week zero game. You were one of the few teams that, that had those, uh, played on the road against Illinois and going into that game, I was excited. I wasn't able to watch it. I was out of town last weekend, but I was intrigued because I thought it was going to be a close game. Uh, ended up being kind of a blowout in the favor of the Illini 38 to six, just from a high level there. Um, what, what happened last week? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. I actually just got back from Champaign a few hours ago myself, nice. but it was, um, you know, it's one of those things that everybody's going to point at it and call it an excuse right off the bat, but nine guys made their college football debut in Champaign on Saturday. 19 new faces wore a Wyoming Cowboys uniform for the first time. So, you know, call it what you want, call it an excuse all you want, but you know, that's a lot of new. And, uh, 
it's pretty hard when you take all that new and go to a I don't care who it is Big Ten a Big Ten team's a Big Ten team uh, those are big athletes and you go there and you open their stadium for the year you know that's a that's a tough task man especially at the key positions like especially quarterback and yeah. Utah State Utah State transfer Andrew Peasley he just you know, let's face it, he just he had a forgettable uh, debut for the Cowboys, uh, completing five of 20 balls for 30 yards and a pick. Should have been picked three times, to be honest with you. He put a couple right in the breadbasket that were dropped. And, you know, if, if that position's not humming, as you well know, um, you're you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball. And uh, this team has not been able to find that guy since Josh Allen left. And it, it's you're never going to find another one of those. But, you know, you need to find somebody that can – complete some passes here and the Cowboys just haven't had that. So that's kind of a reoccurring theme. And that's something that's really upsetting the fan base right now is it's year nine of Craig Bowles tenure and Laramie and the same things are happening as far as the passing game goes. And uh, people are just frustrated with it, but anyway, getting off on a little tangent there, but uh, <laughs> you know, the Cowboys ran the ball. Well, they, they, they did some things. Well, uh, some of the play calling was so questionable in that game. I, to me, that wasn't a 32-point game. You know, it just it just wasn't. Cowboys, as bad as it started for them, could have tied this thing at the end of the first quarter. Into the first quarter, they have a third and goal from the eight-yard line. They decide to run it short side for some reason <laughs> and settle for a field goal. I, maybe they thought they were going to be back in the red zone numerous times that day or something. But I just didn't think it was aggressive enough. Uh, they also were down by 11 in, in the third quarter and punted from, you know, punted on a fourth and two from the 48-yard line. In my opinion, that's the time you really got to go for it and get aggressive, and they just didn't do that. So defense played well, but all in all, it was just kind of a uh, – I don't know. It looked like a dress rehearsal, to be honest with you. you know, and, and it was, in a sense, because there were so many young guys and just so many guys playing their first games, and, and it showed. It absolutely showed in so many ways. Yeah, lots of young guys, like you said, a week zero game, not going to help that situation. And then when you've got all those young – I mean, you, we can look back ourselves to how Tulsa started the year last year. We went in, played UC Davis, an FCS team, to start the year last season and lost that game. And j another thing, like, you know, throwing around excuses or whatever, but one of the reasons that we got off to such a slow start in that game was – Six, like it was like six or seven of our starters were out for the first half of that game because of a like some issues with the bowl game the previous season so they had to sit mm -hmm. out in the first half and you know and you know quarterbacks play got off to a slow start no no momentum picked up after that first half and we just were hanging with them all game and ended up losing and that's how oh. it goes I mean especially in a week zero situation like you guys when it's like that and you've got all these new faces there it's tough so I mean it's just it's hard to it's hard to pick that up I think where the fans are just so aggravated is the fact that it is Craig Bowles' ninth year, yeah. and they're just seeing the same things over and over again. I, I, any rational fan's going to point to the fact that there were so many new faces. I mean, you you can't avoid it. That it is what it is. But also, you know, the Cowboys just got torched in the transfer portal. Um, mm. You know, I believe fifteen guys ended up leaving the program in the portal. Oh man, that's just a lot of new blood, man. And it's it's just a it's just a lot of newness and and unfortunately group of five teams like Wyoming and Tulsa, you know, that's probably going to happen more and more. So it's, we're in the beginning phases of what it's going to look like. I mean, almost every one of those 15 guys, the Cowboys lost ended up on a power five roster. Um, so the, the recruiting's there, obviously. Um, we, we lost a guy to Oklahoma, USC, uh, Northwestern, you know, the list goes on. We, Arizona state, I mean, just one after another, uh, Texas. So, 
Um, I think the recruiting's there, but it's just it's a whole new era of college football and and just trying to deal with it and ride the wave here. It's been that first one I know has scared a lot of people where they're like, oh my God, is this what it's going to look like really from here on out? Yeah. And I don't feel like that's the case. It's just, it's a lot of new. I mean, that's all there is to it. I mean, people can say it's an excuse, but it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good one. Yeah. Very nice. So yeah. just in general, before we move on, just, can I, can I get your overall feelings about like, you know, people, people like week zero games. Some people really don't like them. What do you think about them overall? <sighs> kind of glad it's in the rear view to be honest with you now i mean i'm, I'm kind of glad they played it to be honest because it's you know you, you always see your most improvement i guess from week one to week two typically mm-hmm. so they got that one out of the way i like that they've played a game compared to how tulsa hasn't yeah. um i i like that but overall zero week i i, I guess it doesn't i don't i don't really care either way I, and craig bull mentioned today behind the podium that it's a way to get a little bit of national exposure, and it's also a way to get some extra practices. Plus, uh, they get an extra bye week, so maybe that benefits a young team down the line. I don't know. Yeah, Matt, did you? I thought you did. You have one? No, I mean you already addressed it. It was just kind of like, do you feel like Wyoming kind of comes in with a little bit of an edge since they have gotten a little bit of that rust in where Tulsa is coming in for straight like from the off season into a team that's already you know got their feet wet. Boy, you would sure think. I mean, right? I, I I would think so, but I don't know. I mean, that's the thing I, I guess I took away from today's press conference and rewatching the film is it's all correctable stuff. It just, like I said, they were not 32 points worse than Illinois. That's just not the case. It just was, it started snowballing at the end and got some garbage points going, but you can't complete five of 20 balls. You just can't do it. And you know, the Cowboys, <laughs> Craig Bull's famous line, because I ask him about it all the time, like, what is wrong with this passing game? Like, why why is this happening? And he's just like, well, you want me to be Mike Leach and you want me to throw the ball, you know, 60 times a game. And I'm like, no, no, no. It, I want you to complete 65, 70% of your passes. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't think that's asking too much because the Cowboys run game is always deadly. They even ran for 182 yards. With three new guys on the offensive line, I thought uh, the running game looked really nice in Illinois. Um, just you got to have something to complement that, and and maybe fool the uh, defense a little bit, and that just hasn't happened. So you know, going in, did you? I guess did your feelings change? I, I'm sure they did, but I guess to what extent have your feelings changed about this team? What you thought about them going into the Illinois game, and what you think about them now, or have they not? It's funny you say that. That's a great question because um, I didn't really have any feelings because we can't watch practice, for instance, um, as the media, Craig Bull doesn't allow it. Oh. People, of course, want to ask you all the time, like, what's this team going to look like? How are they going to do? You know, what's their record going to be? I had no idea. No <laughs> clue. With that many new faces on it and guys that we've never even seen take a snap, I guess it's more of just – let's get excited about how we're going to see some new household names emerge and rise to the top. And that's kind of the approach I took to it. Um, I have no idea. I guess I I would tell people I could see a couple wins. I could see seven. I I don't know. We just don't know. And what we do know though, is the Cowboys have a really good running back Yeah. and the offensive line was very, they played very good on Saturday. No question about it. Andrew Peasley didn't even get hit one time. The pocket, that's the other thing that's scary about the passing game being so bad. <laughs> he had plenty of, plenty of time, plenty of time. If that would have been natural grass, he wouldn't have one grass stain. I mean, that's how clean he was. Yeah. So that's scary, but also encouraging on the flip side. And the Cowboys ran the ball really well. Titus Swin is a star in the making, no doubt about it. So 
Um, and we know Craig Bowles is going to run the ball 70% of the time at least. So that gave you a little faith. And I guess that's why I would tell people that I could see seven wins because I could see they're always going to play good defense and they're always going to run the ball. Yeah. If they could just add that one yeah. other element, yeah, which is what Tulsa had on them the last time they met in, in Tulsa. Right. They, that Smith kid was slinging it all over the field. And uh, our guy, I, I think uh, Sean Chambers had 18 straight incompletions in that game. Oh man. I do not remember that stat. That's wild. Just, you can't do yeah. it, man. You just can't have it. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned Titus Swen, the running back there. Like, yeah, like you said, he had a great game. He played really well, averaged almost six yards. It looked like 17 carries. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the few bright spots of that game, at least from an outsider's perspective, looking at the box score who didn't get to watch it, but it sounded like he might've gotten hurt uh, at some point in that game. What's the, what's the latest on him? Yeah, he's got some bruised ribs. He is cleared to play, but it's just a matter of what he can take. And in knowing Titus Swin for the last three years, he'll he'll play. Uh, I mean, it's it hurts to breathe with sore ribs, <laughs> but yeah. he'll he's going to play. He's a tough kid, no doubt about it. So um, I would fully expect him to to be there and be ready to go. But that's another thing, guys. That's really hurt the Cowboys is they had some really devastating injuries toward the end of fall camp, including we found out today Sebastian Harsh, the defensive end is out with a knee injury for the year. Um, if they if they handed out MVP awards in the offseason, that dude would have won hands down. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've never seen Craig Bowles step to the podium and mention the same guy every single every single press conference. Wow. So really sad to lose him because he was really an up-and-comer. And then they lost uh, really one of their best receivers in Gunner Gentry, whose brother Tanner plays for the Buffalo Bills and yeah. caught all those balls for Josh Allen and Laramie so many years ago. Uh, he was lost for the season for the second straight year with another knee injury. So oh, that one. those were two huge blows for the Cowboys. And, you know, that takes a toll too on a young team. And this team's really tight, you can tell, because they're still talking about these injuries. And you can feel the sadness in them that they took that really hard when these guys went down. Yeah, that makes sense. Matt, I think I cut you off. Uh, were you going to ask something? Yeah, I was just going to – I was kind of curious if Bull has kind of talked about uh, what his strategy was as far as like – filling those losses on the transfer portal? Like were there a certain type type of guys or players that he was trying to bring in to, you know, fill in those, what, 15 yeah, spots? Well, talking? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because he was anti-transfer portal, um, period. <laughs> I mean, really, it was a cuss word in press conferences and you'd get the eye roll and the, you know, we build from high school and we don't, we don't screw around with the transfer portal. Well, <laughs> yeah. you have to. He got his hand forced. I want to say eight guys left immediately after their bowl game last year. A guy left even before the bowl game, and um, he he knew he had to adapt. It, it was time. So, but Craig Bowles always looking for that dude that just that tough, hard nosed football player. He likes guys that play multiple sports. Um, he likes guys that he likes to have a guy who's a safety and turn him into a linebacker when he gets to college, stuff like that. So. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of interesting to see that the transfer portal door swings both ways. Cowboys got a defensive end who, unfortunately, Keelan Cox is hurt, but they got a defensive end from Alabama. Uh, Cole DeMarzo, weak side linebacker from Michigan State. Um, Deron Harrell, a corner from Wisconsin. Ja'Cory Hawkins, another corner from Ole Miss. Uh, you know, as we know, fellas, those rosters on those big time in those big time programs, there's guys that aren't playing. Totally. They want to play football. And then when you have that many dudes that are in the portal in general, they're not finding places to land. So you can, you know, you can get some pretty good leftovers, some pretty good scraps, if you will, off the uh, off the old portal. So 
the Cowboys finally realized that's the case. You're not snagging guys from smaller schools and you're not snagging FCS dudes, no offense to them, but you're getting a defensive end from Alabama that is like seventh on the depth chart. Yeah. And the dude is 6'4", 240 pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what a walk-on at Alabama looks like, yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like we just got uh, one of our, one of our uh, kind of big incoming guys was a uh, D-end um, Jaden Simon and that guy, he's like six four three three fifty something. He's just a monster of a man. Let me, yeah, yeah. He's from Colorado, uh, from the University of Colorado. Speaking of, I gotta have you guys look at this. And I, I'm sorry, I wasn't more better prepared. I don't have my sheet in front of me, but I had Tulsa's too deep today. Oh yeah. It says your running back is 269 pounds. There's no way that's right, correct? <laughs> uh, well, it depends. Are you looking at Steven Anderson? That's the only guy who could be up there. It's right here. Let me grab it. Okay. That's got to be Steve. That's got to yeah. be Anderson. Yeah. We, we even asked Craig Bull about it, and his eyes got huge. And said, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's He's funny. Also, just uh, just out of curiosity, where would you get the too deep? I haven't even seen it yet. Oh, they handed it to us at the press conference oh, today. Dang, got more info than yeah. me. Yeah, Stephen Anderson, 6'2", 269. So, okay, so Stephen Anderson, he you'll probably we'll probably see him. It depends. We didn't see we saw him in situations last year. He's not the lead back. The lead backs last year were kind of a trio of Shamari Brooks who is now off the team. He he's graduated. Now on the coaching it. staff actually. Um, but then the main two guys were Deneric Prince and Anthony Watkins. Both those guys are back. We will, they will certainly both see a lot of time. But then Stephen Anderson is kind of number 3 among them. Well, I don't know how right this is, but Anderson's number one on this list. Oh man! Huh. I mean, you never know. I guess it's game one. We could. <laughs> is he really that? Is he really that big? He's a big dude. He's I mean, enormous. Two sixty-five. I mean, that's pretty heavy. I don't know if he's that big, but he's big. He's I, a big guy. I mean, we brought him in like oh, probably like four downs in a row against Cincinnati when we had like seventeen plays on the one yard line, uh, <laughs> and so he's giant. Yeah. But Cincinnati's defense was still Pretty giant good. too so it didn't yeah. really work in our favor but. <laughs> yeah no he's yeah, a big he's, one he's listed as number one we all kind of looked at that today and went oh there's no way that's right <laughs> i would i would be very surprised if he ends up being our number one going into this week yeah me too that Just is that based would on be last year yeah let me see what he's actually listed as on tu's website they, so tu's athletics website has him at, at 242 so not quite 265 but he's still a big he's still a big guy <laughs> I, I really hope he's not 269 pounds. That's, uh, that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> that's a load. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how much we see him. Maybe it'll be a lot more than I think. Cause I, you know, another, just for your reference, another, I don't know if he's even on the too deep there for, for, on your sheet, but Jordan Ford is kind of a newcomer. That's getting a lot of hype in the, got a lot of hype in the spring. Number three. Okay. And I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he saw some meaningful time in there. So if he's number three, uh, are they showing both Daenerys Prince and Anthony Watkins on there? They have Prince at two, no Watkins, no Watkins. Oh, wow, interesting. Okay, well, that would be so. Would this would this make sense that the starting wide receiver would be Isaiah Epps? Uh, obviously, Keelan Stokes. I remember him. Yep. Um, as the inside guy, and then the other receiver would be Juan Carlos Santana. Yep, those should be the three. <laughs> yeah, maybe this Anderson cat <laughs> maybe. won the job. I don't know. <laughs> Hey man, good for him. If that's the case, maybe he's like, yeah, man, if he can get the speed up and he's got that, that weight on him, you never know. It could be some good stuff. Yeah. We'll see, but okay, let's not get too far off track talking Tulsa stuff here. Uh, back to Wyoming a little bit. Uh, just from a, like I said, I don't know much about what the game plan looks like this year. I didn't get to watch the game last weekend. So can you just give a high level breakdown of the general offense and defense for the Cowboys pass heavy, run heavy on offense combined defense, what kind of scheme you run all that. <laughs> Well, allegedly it's a pro-style offense. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of running, guys. Lot, lots and lots of running. Sure. And um, th- that's the Cowboys' best player, you know, like we talked about. Titus Wynn will get the ball a lot. Even his backups. There's a nice change of pace guy in DQ James who's – Jeez, I want to say he's 5'6", 190, um, little dude, but can flat fly. Nice. And uh, also Joey Brass, they're, all, they're also hoping to get DeWine McNeely back this week. He missed uh, the opener with some kind of undisclosed, um, undisclosed injury, but he was also a guy who uh, was the number two, or number two at times, number three last year, who had some nice moments. But the Cowboys are run heavy, very much so. However, I would imagine after a 5-for-20 for 30-yard day, <laughs> They're going to really try and establish some kind of rhythm, some kind of passing game against Tulsa. You'd have to believe that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Uh, on the defensive side, they play the Tampa two two deep thing. Uh, it's a three four or a four three or four two five. I'm sorry. Um, they play with a nickel uh, pretty much on every down. Gotcha. Uh, the two interior guys, Cole Goodbow and Jordan Bertinelli, just uh, they had a whale of a game in Champaign. Uh, like I said earlier a little bit, the, the defensive ends have taken a huge hit, losing Sebastian Harsh and Keelan Cox. They just they have no depth there. Um, the defensive end, the defensive line in general, that spot took a huge hit in the transfer portal. Uh, I believe I wrote coming into the year that uh, the defensive ends that are on this roster currently have a combined seven tackles. Every one of those belongs to uh, Sebastian Harsh, who is not playing. So oh, yeah. uh, they really got thrown into the fire last week in Champaign, but you know did pretty well considering. Uh, probably the Cowboys' best defender is Easton Gibbs, middle linebacker. He moved over from the weak side. Chad Momo, of course, uh, drafted by the Jaguars in the third round last year. And then uh, the year prior to that, Logan Wilson drafted in the third round by the Cincinnati Bengals. So Cowboys have really had some good middle linebackers. And uh, and then you got the transfers there in the secondary with Ja'Cory Harris and uh, and Darren Harrell, uh, the Wisconsin and Ole Miss guys back there. And then uh, very young safeties, but the safeties played really well this weekend too. They got a ton of guys back there, but they're all young and just need a chance. Isaac White has been their best safety and um, – you know they're they're always tough on defense. They are, and and you worried about it against a Big Ten line like like Illinois because if there's one thing Illinois is good at is running the ball under Brett Bielma, and yeah. he's really good at finding those big cats up front. And uh, the Cowboys really handled themselves well. So um, I expect the defense to be better. They actually um, kind of got blitzed right out of the gate in Champaign. They gave up a touchdown on the second play of the game, right. but that. Uh, that also came with a 38-yard kick return to start the game, and then or a 43, I'm sorry, and then a 38-yard run on the uh, first play from scrimmage. So, kind of got blitzed right out of the bat, right out of the gate, but really held their own and really finally figured it out. But I believe there's nine new starters on that side of the ball, so it just man. is what it is, man. I know Wyoming fans are really frustrated, but it is what it is. It's a lot of youth, and you're going to see mistakes. It's going to happen, but you'd like to think that from week one to week two, you're going to see massive improvement across the board. Yeah. And you talked about the, you know, quote unquote pro style offense that you tried to set up over there with Andrew Peasley taking the reins. Um, I know we talked about him a little bit, but just to go in a little bit deeper, it uh, looked like he was a four-year guy at Utah State who transferred in. I don't think, did he ever start? He was never a starter at Utah State or was he? Two games. He started two. He okay. played nine, played in, appeared in 19. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah. you know, he's, he's got some, he's got some size to him. Looks like a decent, you know, on paper, it looks like a decent quarterback. Didn't have a good day against Illinois. Uh, you already mentioned the stat line, five of five of 20, not going to look good uh, with an interception there. A couple things. One, did, did this one game make you lose any hope of confidence in him? And two, if, if not, how do you think he's going to recover? You know, they're going back home. Maybe that'll help. If he doesn't recover, who's behind him? And is that, is there a chance that he gets replaced in this game? 
Yeah, you know, I, he's he's got the uh, Andrew Peasley's got swagger, no doubt about it, and and that hurt him. But he handled it like a man, and he, nobody was more upset about that than him. But he's also got this really cool personality that's this really cool demeanor, like, I'll, I'll be back, you know. I'm not going to get too high, too low here. And uh, that's kind of a blessing for him and a blessing because, I mean, you'd imagine that would have to kill some serious confidence to have a game like that, especially right out of the gate when you're trying to impress a brand-new fan base and you came over from one of the Cowboys' rivals in the first place. Um, so just right. a just a really forgettable outing for him. And, and I think if there's anybody who can get over that and forget about it, it's him with his demeanor. So um, I personally think he needs, a, he needs at least another shot at this thing. Um, believe it or not, fellas, he's the only – quarterback on this roster who's ever taken a snap at the FBS level so you know and they didn't they didn't divulge who it was going to be until before you know until we saw Andrew run out on the opening offensive series for the Cowboys Saturday it it was the worst kept secret you know in (laughs) Wyoming history we knew obviously that Peasley had to be the guy but if it's not him Jaden Clements is behind him and uh, Jaden was a quarterback in high school, but he went to Utah right away and played for the Utes and was a safe move to safety. Mm. He wanted to play quarterback. He came here probably this, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's crazy to think he was number four on the depth chart when uh, spring camp started and he worked his way all the way up to number two and he is the backup. So, uh, the Cowboys have some prospects there that they're excited about, but they just don't have any experience. So we just don't know. I asked Craig Bull if he thought about pulling Peasley from that game on Saturday, especially late, not to get him. It, I think I think he would have if he wasn't getting if he was getting killed. Yeah, you know, physically, right. uh, which he just wasn't. And I think he didn't want to kill his confidence by doing that. And then I think he also didn't feel like it was going to create a spark by any means to bring in bring in a cold guy. But you would have liked to maybe see somebody else get in there and take some snaps just to get into a game and take some snaps because none of these other guys have. Yeah. So. The quarterback situation has a real question mark on it. Um, I personally think Peasley's going to be fine. I mean, we got to watch him all those years at Utah State, and he was one of those little just thorns in the side that would come in here and there and just, you know, pick up a couple key third downs with his feet and just drive you completely crazy. And he did rush for, what, 76 yards on four carries on Saturday. So he has that as part of his repertoire. He just needs to – Settled down. He had some missed throws, but also Craig Bull was quick to point out the wide receivers weren't getting much separation. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot more to a passing game than just the quarterback stepping back and throwing the ball. Right. You know, if those guys aren't getting separation, it doesn't matter how good, the, how clean your pocket is. And we saw numerous times where he was rolling to his right, rolling, rolling, rolling. Nobody's open. Yeah. So that's pretty hard to uh, do your job when nobody's open. But he did miss fire on a few and a couple drops, and it just kind of snowballed. And, never gotten a rhythm and it was truly, it, it was ugly. And for somebody who covers the Wyoming Cowboys to say the passing game was ugly, <laughs> trust me, trust me, it was ugly because it's been, it's been pretty bad Yeah, since Josh Allen was on the high plains. It's been pretty rough. Right. Yeah. And just, just because I forgot to write it down and I, I want to have it in my notes for when I'm watching the game. What, who, what was the, the backup quarterback's name in case he does get on the field? Jaden Clemens. Jaden Clemens. All right. Very nice. So I noticed and I know it's like small sample size with it being only one game, but you guys only ran 51 plays. Whereas the last couple of years, I feel like you've been averaging, you know, 60 plus with 40 rushes, something like that. Was that just a matter of like playing from behind in Illinois was just kind of able to run it and take away possessions or what was kind of the deal with that? 
Um, no, there is a perfectly <laughs> good explanation for that. Uh, the Cowboys were one for 12 on third down. And that one first down came on the final possession of the game in garbage time. And then Joey Brass fumbled two plays later. <laughs> so third down was absolutely miserable. And they had, I want to say, six opportunities of third and three or less. Oh. So you're talking about that, that play I mentioned earlier about running the ball on third and goal from the eight. It could have been 7-7 seven, seven if they found a way to get in the end zone. Believe it or not, it felt like it was a 70 to nothing game at that point. Yeah. It could have been 7-7. Seven, seven, like, wow. I mean, you're in this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I saw yeah. your uh, – I think I saw an article you wrote on the 7220sports.com that kind of highlighted that play. Yeah, so. that play I thought was a real uh, turning point in this one. I thought it really killed momentum. It really killed hope, and it was brutal. It really was. But those third downs just started compounding too. And then uh, they finally went for it on a fourth and one and just ran up to the line, which is not – this team does not do that. They are a huddle up quarterback under center kind of team. They ran up to the line, tried a quick snap. Every single person on that Illinois defense was in the box and just ran right into the pile and didn't move. And so over one on fourth down as well, because the Cowboys had two really sustained drives to start the second half. The game was 17 to three or 17 to yeah, 17 to three at half. I mean, they really were, could have got right back in that thing and just could not convert a third down. It was an absolute killer. So you're right on to find that stat. I mean, 51 plays, that's unacceptable. Yeah, that is, that's pretty wild. Uh, okay, let's keep it rolling. Um, I know we mentioned a couple of the big names to watch for. You mentioned Easton Gibbs, and you've got the guy from Wisconsin. Uh, so who were the other, I guess, either you can, you can take it either way, big additions to the team or just the biggest names to watch for uh, as a fan, who, like for, for our listeners who, who don't know people on Wyoming's roster? Yeah, so uh, wide receiver-wise, Joshua Cobb, 6'4", so- sophomore out of San Antonio. He's probably been their most consistent guy. Uh, the Cowboys lost Isaiah Nair in the offseason in the portal to the University of Texas. He was a 12-touchdown, 800-plus-yard guy. Uh, so Josh Cobbs is expected to not do that, but, <laughs> you know, attempt to yeah. try and be the leader of this of this wide receiver core. So he's a guy that really stands out. Um they have a plethora of tight ends that are really good. They just have not been getting opportunities, which is also maddening. So I'm pretty sure with my answers, you can tell what I get into it with Craig Bull about on a weekly basis <laughs> here. Um, Trayton Welch, really good tight end. Uh, those guys are really good blockers, but they need to be really good pass catchers and really good threats downfield, which just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So um, offensive line wise, they're very young across the board aside from uh, right tackle. Um Frank Crum and left tackle Erica Boje, the other three in the middle there, uh, all played in their first game, uh, their first college game on Saturday. And like I said, they did a really good job in both the passing game and the running game. Um, defensively, Cold Goodbow, he's the nose tackle, 6'4", 285 out of Hudson, Wisconsin. He's a beast, man. He's a, he's a third-team All-Mountain West guy. I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see him as a first-team All-Mountain West guy. He really did a great job uh, on Saturday. The, it was not too big for him at all. He was a wrestler in high school, and he really gets leverage down there. And, and the Illini couldn't do anything in the middle. They, they had no chance in the middle against him or Jordan Bertinelli. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, Easton Gibbs, like you mentioned, something that hurt the Cowboys that to the naked eye, I guess you really didn't pay much attention to, especially in the press box like I did. Uh, Keontae Glinton is a nickelback out of Bakersfield, California, that the coaches are so high on. And the nickelback spot is so important for this defense. And he had cramps all game long. So they had to bring in a 
redshirt freshman who'd never played a game in his life. And I believe Rook Brown to ended up taking 35 defensive snaps, according to Craig Bowles. So um, that one hurt too. Yeah. Losing him really hurt. But uh, the, the corners played just fine. Uh, Ja'Cory Hawkins out of Ole Miss and Deron Harrell out of, out of Wisconsin. Those guys are really good. Cam Stone, he's a, he's a sophomore who started his career at Wyoming and has done a really good job out there as well. So defensively they're they're fine i mean you just don't worry about wyoming's defense they just keep they just do it man it's just kind of it's almost like a system you know yeah. they just they just want it doesn't matter who's in there they just they usually play pretty darn well but offensively um the cowboys are going to run the ball and they're going to run it again and they're going to run it again but like i said i thought i think this week they are going to try anything in their power to get andrew peasley in some sort of rhythm and get him feeling good about himself which is something they just they failed to do until those two open or until that opening drive of the second half in Illinois. And by that time, I think uh, the damage wasn't necessarily done on the scoreboard yet, but the damage up here might've been done by that point. Yeah. That'll be interesting to watch uh, how the pass game develops. Like you're saying, you think they'll try to kind of come up with some kind of rhythm there. And Tulsa doesn't lose a ton necessarily in the secondary. They did lose one uh, who is now on a practice squad in the NFL. And that was Trevon Fuller, uh, the corner. So we've got one new face there, and Tyree Carlisle looks like is probably going to be the starter on that side of the ball uh, in the corner spot. The other guy, Tyon Davis, he was here last year. He was a big he was a big step up. Everybody expects him to do well. And then the new safety, uh, kind of, who got some playing time last year is LJ Wallace. So we've got some new faces back there. So I'm I'm one of the things I'm most interested in. Like you mentioned, everybody sort of knows Wisconsin, uh, Wyoming's going to run the ball. We don't know as much how the passing game is going to go, and we don't know as much about Tulsa secondary. So I'm excited to see how that kind of plays out on the field. Yeah, that could, that's helpful. (laughs) That could be helpful. I don't know. I I just, I asked Craig Bull today too, if, uh, you know, if this is the time where if your wide receivers aren't getting open and and they gave a ton of credit to Illinois and a ton, they said Craig Bull, who coached at Nebraska in the nineties when they were winning, you know, national championships, he said that he compared that Illinois secondary to those Nebraska teams (laughs) where they literally came out and just said, you're my guy and I'm going to glue to you all day long. And that's exactly what they did. Right. So, um, he was very impressed with their secondary, but also very on the flip side, very concerned with the wide receivers, not getting separation. So the question for him was, do you have to get with offensive coordinator, Tim Polisek and get creative and yeah. figure out a way to get these guys open, especially when you have such good protection. Um, and not saying that the protection is going to be that great against Tulsa. I don't know what they're bringing on the, on the front, you know, right now and what kind of blitz packages, obviously, but, yep. um, you know, obviously he's not going to give us what they're working on, but. <laughs> Yeah, they need to get more creative. They got to figure out a way to get these guys open, and they just didn't. And he said he doesn't know what Tulsa's going to run, and that's the that's kind of the hard part. Is now the Cowboys are preparing for a team, their second team in a row, that they don't know what they're going to look like. Um, but you got to be able to make adjustments on the fly, and you got to figure that out. And they just didn't. And he admitted that you know we knew that this could be a possibility. It's not that we were totally blindsided, but they were blindsided when it came to adjusting to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and, and like like I mentioned already, we got some new faces, but we also have a new defensive coordinator, right? First-year guy, yeah. Luke Olson. We lost Joe Gillespie to TCU last year, so he's gone. So you think the system's going to be mostly the same, but you never know with a new face in there, especially for the first game, what little things are going to be different. And, yeah, it's going to be – I'm fired up about this game. There's a lot of new stuff to watch out for, so excited well, for you that. Well, gotta, you got to think that Montgomery and company are watching – 
the Illinois take. Oh, yeah, for sure. So if he likes his corners and he likes what they can do, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see them do the exact same thing and just say, I got you, I got you, let's do it all day long. <laughs> yeah, there was like – we played a good amount of man coverage last year. But, man, like two years ago, we had two guys who are now in the NFL at the DB spot who, like you, uh, we lost them both to the transfer portal. They both transferred to Mizzou with our cornerbacks coach all at the same time. So that was, that was a brutal loss for us. But those guys, when they were on the team – uh, you know, brought them up basically both of them since high school. And man, they were just locked down corners. The Caleb Evans and Allie Green. Caleb Evans on the Vikings now. Allie Green, I'm blanking where he landed. Titans? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, yeah, those guys locked down. So I don't think they're quite to their level, but at the same time, uh, one of them's got a good amount of experience and the other one's a little bit of a question mark. So we will yeah. see. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's talk. Uh, sorry, what? Bears. I knew Bears. There I we knew go. they were both right. NFC North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay, so uh, wrapping up here, I got a couple more for you. Um, we've talked about him a little bit already, but want to ask you about Craig Ball. Ninth season with the Cowboys. Uh, overall record there, 45 and 51. Been to gotten bowl eligible more than half the time. Won three bowl games under him. Off to a rocky start this year. Uh, how do you? Uh, so, a couple things. One, how do you personally feel about him? Two. Could you gauge how the majority of like the Cowboys fans feel about him? Oh yeah, you can gauge you can <laughs> yeah. gauge the fans for yeah, sure. sure. I I do a a story after every game. A story. I don't. I I actually personally hate this thing, especially as a guy who's been in the journalism industry for fifteen years. But it's called rants and raves, and I take people's tweets and I take people's wow. Facebook posts and I put them all in one spot. Nice. And, you know, see what it looks like and what the ebbs and flows <laughs> of what the fans are thinking during the game, and people are. Uh, Less than thrilled, we'll mm. put it that way. Um, Craig's done some great things here, but you can't help but think if Josh Allen doesn't land in his lap, which he absolutely, you know, did. I mean, they found Josh, but it, 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 nobody knew that's what Josh Allen was going to look like. You have to wonder what would have happened to this program if Josh wasn't here. Yeah. Um, his first year as a full-time starter, he took the Cowboys to the Mountain West Championship game. And... Um, Obviously, you guys know by now the, all the special things he did and all the special things he continues to do. Just an incredible quarterback. But mm-hmm. then on the flip side, you also think, how in the hell did you not win a Mountain West title with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so exactly. it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword there. Mm-hmm. But Craig and I have a – we have a nice relationship, very, um, you know, professional, not a lot of talking outside of things, but that's just not the way he operates. But uh, we uh, – you know, we, we butted heads, um, numerous times and, but I, I respect Craig. I respect his career. I respect what he's done. I respect what he continues to do. But in my opinion, guys, he just, he's got to adapt. He's got to change. And something that he worked on this off season and it's become apparent that he has is some of those guys left in the transfer portal because of him. I was going to uh, ask you about that too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he hasn't been the funnest guy to be around, um, especially during the COVID year. He's a guy who, likes to have control over everything. And COVID took control out of all of our hands, mm-hmm. including his. And he did not like that one bit. And from all accounts, he was just kind of insufferable um, that whole season. And then last year was still just kind of, you know, not really uh, clicking with his players. And a lot of guys mentioned that. And even Craig mentioned to his credit in the offseason that I need to have a better relationship with my guys. Yeah, And he's really making an attempt to do that. Um, but, you know, I believe he's 64 years old now. Um 
I, I don't know why you'd have to work on having a good relationship with your players. That That's something that just mind boggles me. But yeah. he's a defensive guy. He's an old school Tom Osborne, Nebraska guy. He won three national championships at North Dakota State. Yeah. He just, they've got to figure out this offense. They, they've got to figure out this passing game. Uh, they're always going to be able to run the ball well, but you know, teams stack the box. They know what to expect. You know, I imagine being a defensive coordinator heading into a Wyoming game would be one of the easiest jobs in the world. Yeah. Stop the running game and you're going to be just fine. And and it's sad to say that, but it's true. Mm. It's absolutely true. On the flip side, it's pretty impressive that that's what the Cowboys do and still win some games. Yeah, really. And, you know, Craig has gone to a lot of bowl games. I believe he's the first coach in Wyoming history to go to three or four and five years or whatever. But, guys, let's not kid ourselves. It's not that difficult to get into a bowl game these days. Yeah. And uh, he's the highest paid coach in the Mountain West Conference. I saw that yesterday. I think I must have seen it from you. I did not know that until like two days ago. Yeah, it's time to start uh, winning when it matters. (laughs) And and unfortunately, now he's not, you know, this year it's going to be tough. And you, what I guess I keep telling people, fellas, is this year you need to do, same with Illinois. It's a perfect example. You need to go to Illinois and you need to play well and you need to show flashes to get people excited for what could be. Because next year... This team could be really, really, really good, yeah. uh, barring another transfer portal disaster. Right. It could be really good, but um, that's what they got to do. They just got to keep making improvements and show that they're going in the right direction. And I know last week was a stinker, and a lot of fans are really down. And a lot of fans were pretty apathetic in the first place, to be honest with you, because they didn't know what to expect. And they saw that transfer portal hit yeah. and thought, you know, both quarterbacks gone, right. you know, your leading receivers gone, your leading running backs gone. I mean, your leading tackler, your leading sack guy, it's just leading interception guy. I mean, it's one after another where you're just like, yeah. Oh brother. I mean, year nine, that should not be happening. And, you know, and, and honestly guys, Craig Bowles going in, this is year nine. He's now the tied for the longest tenured head coach in Wyoming football history. Yeah. So, Fans are a lot, it's kind of split, but it's also kind of teetering the other way. Fans love Craig. He really embodies Wyoming as far as cowboy tough, no nonsense. You know, uh, he, he really lives by the code of the West, we call it, um, you know, where you ride for the brand and all that good stuff. A lot of cute slogans for t-shirts, but he really <laughs> absolutely does that. Yeah. And uh, so he's beloved by some, but uh, the, the no passing game thing is wearing thin, uh, to say the least. And it has been wearing thin for a long time. Yeah, no, that makes that makes total sense. Um, so before we let you go, let's let's just you, you you can give a prediction if you want, or if you just want to talk about how you're feeling about this game coming home home opener. Just what do you what are you thinking about this one? You guys are gonna think I'm insane, but I'm actually I actually feel pretty good. I do because I think that we saw enough good things where they just they're not gonna go one for twelve on third down again. I mean yeah, that, yeah. that was a that was a killer. Right. That was an absolute killer. It kept the defense on the field way too long. It was hot and humid in Champaign. We have no humidity here, as you know, living in Denver. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a big adjustment, and the D was on the field way too much. So I think the old saying, right, it, it can only go up from here. Uh, will they win? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I really haven't dove into um, Tulsa enough. I know the Cowboys are on a three-game losing skid in this series. Uh, I know the last time these teams played, Tulsa was unbelievably physical. I want to say seven Cowboys went out of that game, including Logan Harris going to the ER. The you know, yeah. the, the ambulance had to pull into the middle of the 50-yard line and pick him up and take him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, that was a straight-up body bag game. Came yeah. out of that really impressed with Tulsa. But like I told you, all those incompletions, how bad the offense was that day. Yep. The Cowboys are three yards away from winning that game. Oh my God. John Chambers <laughs> fumbles the ball out of bounds and they, going for the goal line. They only needed three to take it into overtime. Just you'd love to have a redo of that and say, dude, go down. I know. Go down. What are you yeah. doing? But. You know, that was a really impressive Tulsa team. I was really impressed with the speed of their wide receivers. I thought their defense was just, yeah, man, they, they were just hitting like a ton of bricks. They <laughs> yeah. were showing up with bad intentions. And I think these teams kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So um, I'm excited for this one. Laramie's a tough place to play. Uh, it's going to be packed. Uh, you would hope that's really going to help this team kind of kind of get their feet back under them a little bit. But, you know, I don't know. I, I expect this one to be close. I don't expect anything like we saw in Champaign. I know that. So I I do have a question just about Laramie being a tough place to play. Obviously, you know, you're at playing at Altitude Tulsa where, you know, don't do that regularly. But last week we talked to somebody who had a theory that, um, oh, yeah. you know, if you're there for less than 48 hours, then altitude doesn't really impact you. Is that anything that you think his suggestion was maybe to you should fly up just a day of game and then see how that, how does, uh, how, what does that sound well, we like to you? We can't give away the company secrets, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't know, man. I, I know when I have friends come visit and family come visit from Oklahoma, they come here and they're like, oh my God, I can't breathe. Um, It's so bright and sunny and just, you know, you're so close to the sun. It's just, you know, it really wigs them out. But I think what I do know is elevation is harder to play in when it's hot outside and it should be hot on Saturday, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which only a handful of Wyoming games, not even maybe three a year if you're lucky or hot. Right. Um, or even remotely warm. So it should be nice, should be nice weather. And uh, it's got to be tough. I mean, you're playing at 7,220 feet. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be. Yeah. And, and I know, for instance, when the Cowboys play back in the 90s when they would host Hawaii, and they still do, obviously, they're in the same conference. Uh, but I remember specifically 1996, they beat Hawaii 66 to nothing. And <laughs> Hawaii never crossed midfield all day long. Oof. And uh, their, you know, their big Polynesian cats are on the sideline. Just <laughs> every single one of them has an oxygen mask on. And, oh and I know that's a drastic difference between Hawaii and Laramie, but yeah. uh, it's it, it can't be fun. It, it absolutely yeah. can't be fun. No question about it. I mean, Olympic athletes come train in Laramie at the High Altitude Performance yeah. Center. Uh, Leonard Fournette, obviously running back from LSU, he comes and trains during the offseason in Laramie. So nice. there must be something to it, or I don't think Leonard Fournette's going to want to spend his summers in Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Laramie's a great town. Don't don't sell yourself short over there. Uh, but no, I love, it. <laughs> yeah. I love Laramie. I'm not, you'd never catch me say anything bad about Laramie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, that's funny. That's cool. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And you, you were talking about how, you know, it can only go up from here for the Cowboys and what that looks like. And it got me thinking again to last year for Tulsa with the Rocky start against UC Davis, the FCS squad who we lost to. And we came out the next, you know, that was like shock to the system. We were thinking last year it was, we were very high on TU last year. A lot of people were maybe a little too high, had a first year kind of real starting quarterback coming in who think we gave him a little inflated expectations, but still like a shock to huge shock to even be close in that game. And game two was against Oklahoma state. And so going into the year, we were like, we were thinking this could be the year we get, we get OSU finally. 
Um, it's been a long time. And then yeah. after that UC Davis game, we were just like, well, I, I don't know, man. We're like, probably not. Uh, but, you know, then we can't, we didn't win the game against Oklahoma State, but it was like a two-point – it was one possession game. It was extremely close. All game, we were either winning at halftime or, or down by just three or something like that. And it's just – it goes to show, like, week one games can go any direction. It can really yeah. – you don't know what you're going to get. And after week one – you can evaluate and take a look at what went wrong, how to fix it, all that stuff that you can't emulate in practice. So nope. there's a lot of, I think, open question. Just because you got beat pretty bad by Illinois does not mean it's a team that's not going to come out looking to win, especially as their home opener here coming up. So Yeah, no doubt. I'm, and I'm talking to, Yeah, talking to some players today too. They That's the beauty, right, of being so young is you almost don't know – you don't have expectations, so you move on quicker. Yeah. I know last year that was a big problem. The Cowboys right now are the third youngest team in the FBS. Only only Nevada and Hawaii are younger. Wow. Yeah. Last year they were the second oldest team in America. <laughs> that yeah. that team loses a game to Air Force. It snowballs into four straight losses because they lose to Air Force and then they think, yeah. well, there goes the conference championship most likely, right. which they most definitely had conference title aspirations last mm-hmm. year. There that goes. Then next thing you know, you're snowballing and you're losing games you shouldn't. Yep. And uh, that's what happened. But this year they're so young and they there were zero expectations coming in. So I think this is a team that, you know, like we always talk about how resilient kids are. These are kids. <laughs> yeah. They really are. Yeah, there's sure. a ton of – there's three seniors on this roster. Oh, my gosh. And one, them, and one of them still has a year, a medical redshirt to come back, and he fully intends to do that next year. Yeah. So there's truly two seniors on this team. Man, that is – So, wild. you know, they're they're pups, man. They're pups. So I think they can uh, – I think they can, they can bounce back, and, uh, you know, they have to. They have to. And I think they will. It'll help to be at home. It'll absolutely help. But it's funny you're mentioning this kind of stuff because Tulsa, to me, when I think of Tulsa, I think of 1998. Um, <laughs> the Cowboys were going down there with a chance to finish the year 9-3. and three. Uh, The Las Vegas Bowl people were in attendance there, and they had put the shirts out, and they had the showgirls from Vegas and the whole nine ready to welcome the Wyoming Cowboys to the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were playing lowly Tulsa, who comes out in these absolutely hideous red jerseys. <laughs> Just terrible. There's nobody in the crowd. We think, all right, I'm thinking, I was a fan then growing up in Wyoming, and I'm thinking, all right, let's roll these guys, no injuries, let's get in, get in and get out. Mm. Tulsa won 35 to nothing that day. Oh, man. <laughs> One of the most inexplicable losses in this team's history. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And the uh, Vegas people packed up and left and the Cowboys <laughs> stayed home for the holidays because back then you didn't get bowl games with the regularity you do now. So I can't help but think about Tulsa every, every time I think about Tulsa, I think about that nightmare afternoon Man. in the season finale in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. I know that was, yeah. So we, I, I just pulled up our little stat page from that year, four and seven, two and six in the conference. Not a good season, and then man, and yeah, Wyoming. Looking, you were trying to go nine and three. You said, yeah, yeah, that is rough. Oh my gosh, thirty-five to nothing. There it is, last game of the year. That's crazy, man. And we just, couldn't believe oh it. god, <laughs> yeah. couldn't believe it. And those jerseys were hideous. I'm not trying to jump on those. <laughs> no man, I don't know what the I don't know what the whole point behind those were, but yeah. they did not look good. It's funny. I we haven't had the red jerseys in a really long time. I don't know what they looked like in '98. I'm sure they were they were pretty they were pretty bad. Uh, but we brought really? them back. I don't know. So I don't know if we brought back those specific red jerseys, but we brought back a red jersey last year for homecoming of all games. And honestly, I thought it looked 
I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, some people didn't like it uh, among the fan base, but it was not. It wasn't too bad. You can fit some red and blue in there, put some gold in there a little bit, and, and you know, you can make it work. But I, I agree, it's a. It can be a tough one to pull off. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure back then it was like Russell Athletics or something, oh, yeah. and it just did not look good <laughs> yeah. at all. For sure. I think it was just block block numbers, maybe even with the jersey holes in them. I don't remember. Oh, it was, yeah. the good stuff. That was one of the worst memories for a young kid. <laughs> one of the worst days. I uh, yeah. I remember as a fan, yep. uh, absolutely. Uh, I I talked to the head coach for a story from that team and brought it up, and he just still shakes his head and has no <laughs> idea, no clue what happened. Oh man, yeah, that's that's tough. Getting steamrolled by an ugly red jersey in an empty stadium <laughs> by a bad team—that's a bad combination. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it oh, is. Very funny, man. Well, I'm 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 really looking forward to this game. Obviously, obviously, I am. It's our first game of the year. You're second, but it's your home opener, so that's always something to look forward to. I think it'll be yep. fun. I, I can't wait. Um, Got to thank you again, Cody, for coming on the show. It was, it was awesome. Thanks for spending so much time with us. Anytime, uh, fellas. Anytime. Yeah, I, I guess before we let you go, um, if people want to follow along with Wyoming before the game or even after the game or anything like that, uh, where can they follow Wyoming? Where can they follow your stuff? Uh, drop all that. Yeah. Yeah, 7220sports.com. I started this about four years ago. was recently bought out by Town Square Media a couple years ago. Ooh, so, Congrats. Brought, brought, yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, that brought some nice stability after the yeah. COVID nightmare. Yeah. Um, so very thankful for that. But, uh, yeah, we have an app, free app, all the good stuff. Oh, cool. And probably put up 30 new stories this week on the Cowboys. It's it's football season, Damn, fellas. Right? Yeah. I actually got kicked out of the press box on a Saturday in, in Champaign because I was there so late. But Man. I got to tell you this too, guys, real quick. At at Illinois last week, uh, I come out of the press conference with Craig Bull, come back up to the press box. The guy sitting next to me is drinking a tall boy at Miller Lite. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, man, wonder what, I mean, is this guy an alcoholic? Uh, where Did he stuff that beer in his bag? Right. How did this work? Um, Illinois' uh, staff has a tap. Oh, man. A, a beer tap and an entire fridge full of beer. <laughs> Free for the media after games. Wow, every game, every game. So I'm going to cover the Fighting Illini <laughs> yeah. after I'm covering the Cowboys. Um, uh, as, long as, they, as long as they promise me they're going to get Coors, I will do that. Um, I will cover yeah. the Fighting Illini for the rest of my life. Man, that is crazy. I had no idea. I mean, they probably need it over there. It's been they've been struggling, <laughs> uh, struggling on the football side for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes to get some media in the building, yeah. I guess. Yeah, for sure. I really hope we schedule them sometime in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. I have never seen, yeah. I covered Michigan State for two years. I've covered the Cowboys for four. Every home, every away game, I have never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah, that is that is something different. That's wild. And I'm really pissed off at myself that I was so busy I couldn't even drink beer for free. <laughs> yeah. You gotta really... gotta convince uh, Craig Ball maybe bring that in something like that. <laughs> oh, I talked to Wyoming staff today about it. I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> nice. but, yeah. uh, it sure would be nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, <laughs> well, cool, man. Let's wrap it there. Thanks again for joining the show. It was, it was a blast having you on. Anytime, fellas. Thanks for thinking of me. Yep, looking forward to the game. All right, and thanks again to Cody Tucker for coming on the show. Man, great to talk to him. He was just a joy uh, from the second he got on the call. Really fun guy to talk to. Hope you enjoyed it. Really psyched about that game. I think we've talked uh, enough Wyoming at this point. I think we're – and the <laughs> episode's getting pretty long, so let's close it down here pretty soon. Just got a couple more things to, to get to, uh, and then we will wrap it up. Uh, Tulsa men's soccer, some notes on them, um, named the unanimous AAC favorite a couple, couple years ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, for this year, 
Um, if you didn't know already, the Conference USA schools are already part of the league for soccer, so they are playing in there, along with some that are not coming as part of football, like Florida International is uh, is in the is in the league this year. Um, but anyway, uh, they men's soccer won their first game on the road, four to two over Marquette. Nice win. Um, and this last week, like three days ago, maybe it was two days ago, um, on the road against Wisconsin, we're down three to nothing late in the game. And like, this is game number two, basically for Tulsa men's soccer, unanimous favorites now looking good. And then the gracious rain gods came and saved the day. It rained enough to delay it enough that it became a straight up no contest. So that game (laughs) was moved to later or canceled. I don't know. Uh, but it is not a loss. So despite being down three to nothing, I don't know how much time was left in the game. I don't think that much. Uh, it is now not a loss. So we are now 1-0 and still. Um, and I assume you make up a no contest in soccer. I don't know if it gets straight up canceled. Not sure how it works. But anyway. Yeah, no. for like a non-conference matchup, I feel like that's probably just my guess is it wouldn't be yeah. rescheduled. Um, that makes sense. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Which is good because now we don't have a loss on the schedule, which is very nice. Uh, so that one's going there. Um, got a couple home games coming up finally. Uh, we've got Kansas City coming to Hurricane Stadium on September 2nd, this coming Friday. And then on the next Monday, the 5th, we've got Oral Roberts in Ooh, town. I might, so, go, I might go to that ORU game. Oh, yeah. You totally should. That'd be awesome. Uh, so, yeah, men's soccer season underway, just like football. All getting started at the same time here. Um, and then the other thing, a uh, thing of note that I have, there's probably more, um, but this is the last one I've got. Basketball court redesign is happening. And we sort of knew about this last year. I think it was teased a little by uh, Brad Carson, but now it is official. Um, the floor has been wiped. It has been sanded down. There is nothing on there until we saw today that paint has started to be laid down there. Eric Conkle tweeted out a uh, tease picture of it. It's all blurred. You cannot tell what it says or what it looks like. Um, it's got a blue outline along the sides, what looks like the normal Tulsa script with the flags in center court. And that's pretty much all you can see. Um, it's a very blurred image on Eric Conkle's Twitter account. Uh, so check it out if you're interested in trying to decipher what that is. My one hope is that, well, two hopes. One, I really did not like the like diagonal block letters on the baselines that just said Tulsa. They looked like old fashioned and not, they didn't look cool in my opinion. I don't like, we used to have that on the football field too. Like the blocky thing. We still have the diagonal letters. I know you don't like those Matt in the end zones, but like, I just don't like the big, bold blocky letters. I I didn't think they look good on the baseline. So hopefully they move away from that, come up with something that looks a little bit cooler. And then obviously the other, the other big hope, please don't screw it up and make it like Memphis's weird tiger stripe stadium court or UCF's like theme park, uh, Disneyland roller coaster thing. That all looks, it's too much. It's bad. I do not like it. You can maybe have a little bit of flair in there, but when it takes up the spirals. whole, yeah. Oh my God. Spirals, <laughs> I would never, I would never go back. If it was just all like spiral circles in there, uh, I would never be in that gym again. And like, I don't Lies. know. You can, you could, it is a lie. I would, I would go back, but I, I would feel bad about it. But if there's like, you know, just there are ways you can have a little bit of splash and maybe make it a little bit unique. But man, you go too overboard and it looks bad. It looks really bad on TV. It looks bad in person. Just hopefully they don't go too crazy. And I don't think they will. Like the only reason I got a little worried and I'm pretty sure it was a joke. Like Brad Carson put on Twitter a while back. You might remember um, he was like, it was like a vague quote tweet about an article 
that showed the craziest college courts in America. And like, of course, Memphis and UCFs were on there and a bunch of other terrible ones. And he was like, all he tweeted was like, hmm, dot, dot, dot. And now we're having this court redesign. And that's all I have to go off of what he said, which I'm pretty sure is not. I mean, I, I hope that's not the direction it's going. Uh, but I guess you never know. But I assume we will see that here in the next uh, the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and so just to kind of circle back to soccer, but on the women's side, so the women's season yeah. is also uh, underway. Nice. And you. so they are um, coached. It's same coach, but it's his first year as the full like official uh, Jim Ryan. He was named as the interim last year. Um, not really sure what how that transition worked, but he's been on the team um, for a while. He was an assistant coach and then assistant associate head coach in 13 interim last year and is now his first full season. Um, and so they're two, one and one. They've got a win over mid American Christian, um, which I believe is an F a, they are like a N C A A C school. So like not an NC, I don't even know what conference necessarily <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. but they've also got a win over Missouri state. Uh, they lost to OSU and they tied Kansas City. So um, two, one, and one to kind of start off the first two weeks worth of match play. Um, that being said, like that is already a third of their total wins from last year. So they are. Um, <laughs> Although already... last season they did start off two and one as well. Did they? Okay. They did. So we'll see how it's uh, how the rest of the season progresses, but they've looked better early than they did last year, at least I think yeah. with a little bit more um, since he's had another full year of actually being the coach. Yeah. First full year, you get the, you know, you get the juice in there, you get the new players that they bring in. That's, that's cool. I'm glad you brought it up. I totally forgot to talk about it. Um, so yeah, two and one so far. They they're play next. central Arkansas on Thursday at home and then they're on the road at Creighton. And I oh, don't nice. know if it's the same um, for women's soccer. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not the same. So, but Creighton is always, I mean, they're just not a bad team if we win. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. I, I was just looking up the men's schedule again to make sure I wasn't losing my mind because I was looking at the women's schedule and none of the Conference USA schools are on there. Um, but for the men, they definitely are. Uh, Charlotte's on there. Florida International's on there. Uh, Charlotte, UAB, FAU, all the, all the people we're bringing in uh, on the men's side. But on the women's side, none of them. So I don't know if those, I don't know. Maybe I don't, don't know sponsor. If, if they don't sponsor women's soccer or if they, or if for the women, for some reason, they're on the football timeline and they're not joining until next year. I don't know. I don't know the details yeah, there. Cause if like, you know, let us know. Curious. Looking up UAB soccer. They like exist women's soccer. Yeah. Um, there you go. They're still in conference USA. So maybe it's, I think so conference USA, I'm pretty sure doesn't have a ton of men's soccer teams. And so maybe that's why they kind of moved over already. Interesting. Um, well, cool. So that's what's going down with men's and women's soccer. And that should be fun. Like we, I feel like really got into some soccer stuff for the first time last season. And honestly, it is not a joke. It was very fun to go to those games. So please do, if you're in the area, you do, Matt. I know you said you might go to that ORU game. That'd be very cool. Um, but they're fun. They're fun to go to. The crowd comes out, especially for the men's team last year, who was very good and should be very good again this year. Malik Henry Scott, Alex Meinhard, both those guys back again. Um, revenge tour, hopefully to make it even further in the NCAA tournament. So it should be an awesome season and hopefully the women are on the right track as well. So good stuff, but okay. Before we wrap it up, uh, anything else, Matt? Uh, no, 
All right, let's call it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure that you are following the show wherever you listen, if it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever. We're on all of them. So make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button. Uh, leave a rating or review if you can. That would be really appreciated. Uh, we do all this for free. This podcast is free. We don't have sponsors, all that stuff. So got a few ways to support us if you want to do that. Um, all the ways are at thegoldenheracast.com slash support. Uh Find all those ways there. You can buy merch. You can subscribe to the show, donate or monthly, whatever you want to do. Uh, all extremely appreciated. And finally, uh, you can find us on Twitter. No longer Instagram. If you didn't know, we are not there anymore. Instagram has been ejected into the sun. We are only on Twitter at Golden Hurricast. Uh, so follow us on there if you're not already. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that as well. Email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Stay golden.